Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman. This is episode 264. Uh, I had a conversation with a woman called Jo Marsh, whose stage name is Jojo Bellini. She's um, Australian, born in Aussie, but lives in New Zealand now via a stint in the UK. Uh, I met her last year. She is um, the third person from a flat that I have talked to for this podcast. So I've talked a couple of times about speaking to married couples or people who are in relationships having a separate uh, conversation with uh, two creatives. Um, This will mark the first time I have completed the set of a whole flat. Although they don't live together now, when I met Jo, she was living with Samina Zera and and Mike McKeon or Mike Blue and uh, you'll know from previous episodes I've talked to both of those people. So that was how I met Jo. I got pretty interested in her story because She's worked in arts admin, but she is an actor, she's a comedian, an MC, uh, a burlesque performer, and um, I invited her around for a conversation because I've seen her name appear on the bill lots lately, and then I got to see her perform a couple of times doing some things, including uh, Deathmatch Haiku, which was fun. She's got an incredible story. I mean, she started burlesque late in life uh, because she wanted to get up and mobile and dancing again after a horrific injury uh, a, that nearly took her life. So it's a huge conversation, this, and we get into all sorts of things. Not least of all, we talk a lot about um, Wellington's uh, performing ethos, its venues, the barriers of entry, uh, the life and the creative arts. So all of the things this podcast is interested in with Joe's story uh, front and centre. So um, if you don't know her, you will by the end of this. It's a huge conversation and as I say, so much in this. I really enjoyed this. This is Joe Marshall with Jojo Bellini. We don't really know each other, but we've met. Yes. And funnily enough, I sort of have this thing where I'm like, I've... Uh, I've interviewed a few um, couples separately that are invo- and you, you guys aren't all living together now but you mm. will, you will complete the first flat that I've spoken to I've just realized amazing <laughs> and three members of a flat which is when I met you yeah uh, all three of you will have been on this podcast Excellent. so that's the uh, that's the first full house that I've collected um, Brilliant. which is pretty cool so um, how long have you been in New Zealand so I arrived on the 4th of January last year. Mm. I came to do the PR for the NZ Fringe on a three-month contract. Mm. And uh, hello, uh, flight got cancelled. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, and uh, so what I ended up doing is I spoke to um, my sister back in the UK, my husband back in the UK, and was like, this is happening. I think I should stay. And both of them were like, yes, uh the UK is a bin fire, don't mm. come back, um, in a very nice, lovely mm. way. Mm. Um, and so, uh, yes, yeah, so I've been here since January last year. And, I mean, I came I, I came not as a performer. I ended up doing one uh, bit for uh, Neil Thornton's 100% Wrong that he was during, doing during the Fringe. Mm. And I went, that was amazing, I loved it, oh, my God. Um, and then, but before I knew it, it was it, I was like, oh, um, this is, this is place is amazing are you, are you munching no, no, I was just watching him I was like that's brilliant timing <laughs> so if anyone's hearing like this weird crunching <laughs> noise I'm I'm not I'm not scraping the bones off uh, my enemies I'm uh, you're sitting the, next to a dog <laughs> sitting next to the most gorgeous gorgeous little fluff monster um, who's decided that uh, his uh, his bone is is 
very important right yeah. now. We'll see how that goes. We might have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy if everyone mm. else can deal with the what sounds like teeth grinding. Mm. It's fine. Uh, but so yeah, so I got here in March, and then um, uh, Samina, Mike, and myself were all uh, uh, kind of temporarily like uh, mm. subletting, and then we went and sublet a place on the terrace, and then as life ended up getting so much better here and so much worse in the UK. All of us were like, oh, no, we're staying. Mm. This is happening. All visas were fine. Mm, people mm. from immigration checking. Um, and um, so we ended up getting a flat together. And it was, it's been, it was fabulous. And see, we've uh, flatted in uh, Edinburgh together before and we've known each other for like yeah, eight, yeah. nine years. So we know each other's quirks and, you know, the way we work, which is very similar to each other. But for the the 15 months that we'd actually been sharing, it kind of felt like we were on holiday. It mm, felt like mm. we, were, we, were, yeah. um, we were in the middle of Fringe Festival, a.k.a. Edinburgh, and this is just the way it was happening and this is what was going on. And then I think this year all of us kind of went, oh, oh no, no, we're, this is permanent and this is where we live now. this is where we live now and and i'm like and you guys are great but i i don't think i can like and also mm -hmm. i think i know a lot of people do um share with uh couples here because of the rental scenarios mm. etc but for me <laughs> but for me so the giggle was because now now the bone action is happening right on my hip and it's hilarious um and um so but for me it's it was a case of I'm I'm not I'm used to living alone mm. um, and not in a share house or with my husband. So um, it's just a, I just found a bit. So um, when we when we uh, decided to move house, um, we didn't move far from each other. We now live literally <laughs> next door to each other. Yeah, yeah. So you're still you're still the the gang is still together. Yes, uh, all, there's just all a couple of walls. <laughs> there's yeah. just a couple of walls between you. Yeah, and, and some separate bathrooms. Always yeah, a yeah. good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So where have you come from in the world? You had come from the UK. Yes, so I uh, originally uh, born Perth, Western Australia, lived there for ages and then moved in 2013 to the UK. So I was there for a good seven years uh, working, doing uh, PR, performing, doing shows for Fringes, mm. um, travelling, enjoying life, having the best time. So yeah, came literally came to the other end of the planet. Mm. Um on a on a whim really when you're in perth had you had you been to new zealand before no yeah because i think like a lot of australians end up visiting new zealand but western australians m maybe less so because it's very much cause yeah it, it's it's so weird because it's like so it will take me 11 hours to get to new zealand or it will take me 15 hours to get to europe uk yeah. and it, it's one of those moments of it's going to cost me almost exactly the same amount of money to and get time yeah and time yeah and so new zealand for i think for a lot of perth people um is is not it's not an it's not a no-go zone but it's more of a mm. yeah why would you yeah yeah oh totally um versus the melbourne sydney thing or what or brisbane where it's just a you know you do it you do a weekend and and us with them yes in, in and, earlier times yeah, yeah and it's a and it's a it's a pop across the pond yeah, yeah. whereas just getting to sydney for a lot of people in perth is a mm. is a Thing. Yeah, I've never been to Perth. I've been to a few places in Aussie and never been, and and would like to. But yeah, it's a it's a daunting prospect, really, because yeah. it's the same thing. Like, well, if I'm going to go to 
Perth and, and earlier happier times wouldn't I just go to Hawaii or you know what you know exactly yeah it's, it's um and like I was never on the Bali train that everybody no, else was neither. on in Perth but it costs less money to go to Bali and back than it does to get to Sydney and back yeah so when you're looking at it in that terms why why would you go yeah. anywhere else yeah yeah um I, yeah I, it was very interesting because my whole life everyone's like oh go to Bali go to Bali and I never, I never did. Hello, you're very pretty. I, I'm, I'm not saying that to Simon, by the way, people listening. Uh, it's the gorgeous Bowie sitting on my lap now after he's had his little munch. Um, and think, and and so Europe and uh, South America and America, much more my my thought process yeah. of where I'd like to go to and do things. Um, so yeah, no, you know, New Zealand just never, not never, a thing. And now it is. And now. No, but, I'm so mm. happy that circumstance has led me here. Isn't that funny? It's, this country is phenomenal. Some of the arts that is coming out of this country, so I'm talking visual art mm. as well as theatre, as well as, you know, dance mm. and just over all the genres are world-class, phenomenal. And I'm like, the reason why no one is seeing what we are creating here mm. is because what happens is... Um, it's so far away from everywhere else. It yeah. costs way too much money for the artists to pick themselves up and go to Edinburgh, pick themselves up and go to the festivals in um, Canada, etc. Um, unless they get invited or a grant mm. um, to do so. Um, I mean, I saw uh, a visual art piece that was um, based on sound and movement and that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting, I sat there for hours just watching this this is last last year just out of lockdown and i was watching this this um installation art just going this is this should be at the tate this should be yeah you know it's yeah. like oh my goodness this is an experience that is never going to happen again yeah i think i think even in these days of interconnectivity and obviously travel restrictions too now the tyranny of distance will haunt new zealand forever you know on some level we've got um we also have this thing, which is uh, an extension of our tall poppy syndrome here, where, where um, we get these handful of people that achieve big, that really permit, you know, punch through the um, the mainstream too. Mm. You know, the All Blacks, Peter Jackson, Lord, yes, maybe slightly more in a slightly more quirky thing, Flight of the Concords, and they become the um, the benchmarks. Yes. Which you know, these are you know people that have. Achieve something extraordinary, mm. and you know your clever artist making great art yes. shouldn't shouldn't have to be compared with mm. them, and might actually be doing something on, for a lot of you know for a small number of people that's infinitely more important. Mm. But why are they compared to this? You know, <laughs> thank you, dog. I know, I know, it gets it gets <laughs> him angry gr- too. We're getting grumpy here. We're getting grumpy about the arts in New Zealand. And but you know, it's it. yeah, it's that's. That's sort of a thing that's always mm. going to be a struggle here, I think. Mm, mm. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, this tall poppy syndrome I have noticed um, very much myself. Mm. Um, not as a performer, as a performer, but from other artists mm. who are like, oh, my goodness, you must be amazing because you're from X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Mm. I'm good at what I do. I love what I do. Mm. I'm a professional performer. Mm. But, but... Um, have you looked at what you're doing? Mm, you're, mm. What you're doing is amazing. Oh no, no. You know, I. You know, we don't have the same supplies that you guys have. We don't have this. We don't have that. And I'm like, but you guys are creating amazing art. Some of the burlesque, especially I've seen, has been so creative, mm. uh, because they've had, 
no influence from anywhere else. They're doing something that is mm. very unique and very amazing here. It's the same with the cabaret. It's the same with, um, you know, like some of the, oh, some of the theatre. Like, well, you know, no influence or, um, you know, pan influence. Like, yes. you know, I think one of the things that we've started to do well with comedy is we've always grabbed from both the distinctly English and distinctly American brands like well we've understood them both mm, mm. and you know a lot of American comedy doesn't mean a thing in England and vice versa yes and because and it's probably the same in Australia we've you know TV wise you receive it all yes so I think that, you know there's that too yeah but also the comedy here I mean I, I saw quite a lot of um, comedy over the comedy festival when mm. I was here in Wellington um, the because there weren't any actual internationals mm. for me especially I found it gorgeous the support that everyone was getting from mm, mm. Um, audiences but also really feeling the temperature of what Kiwi comedy is all about mm. and it's hilarious and it's weird and mm. it's sometimes terrible uh, because that's what how comedy yeah. works yeah. but it was it was really fantastic and what I've also noticed here is um, there's a very strong poetry um, mm, mm. Uh, stream of performance here which I also find very exciting and the reason I find that exciting is be, it's um, uh, storytelling poetry uh, two art forms that I seem we seem to be losing elsewhere in the yeah, world yeah, yeah. whereas here um, storytelling especially is something that is revered and mm. I'm so happy for that like I, I saw um, the uh, Kiamo festival that was just on I saw quite a lot of um, theatre dance from that and was like the storytelling different ways of, mm. of being of telling stories um, during that festival I found really exciting mm. um, and that the new works that are coming out from uh, new writers young writers older writers etc um, because of lockdown because they had the time to do nothing else but work on their art um, I find that we've, we're some things are coming out yeah. which are phenomenal. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I've I've um, got involved in some of the poetry readings over the last few years, and I and I had not been part of any scene at all for a long time. Well, when I, I was never part of a scene, but like mm. I used to go to open mics twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, and then I didn't for a long time. So it's been fascinating seeing mm, mm. the evolution and seeing these communities and these events and and. You know, someone said, oh, we need more of these things in Wellington. I was like, yep, sure, there's always room for more. But actually, a lot of stuff's happening. It's pretty cool. It's hard to get across all of it. Like, yeah. there's plenty of options. Uh, what's very interesting is we've gone from festival to festival to festival to festival to mm. festival this year, which is so exciting. Like, mm. we've gone from... So, it was... So, you... you uh, it was... Making you, up for 2020 in a way. Really yeah. has. It's like you've got the, the Eat, Drink, Play Festival mm. was happening during the Fringe Festival, during the Comedy Festival. There's now a... Um, uh, Wellington on a plate festival going mm. on. We just had Kiamo festival. There's another. The Matariki festival is about to start next week. Like Jazz festival like, was on, which was all local. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a film. There's French mm. film festival on at yep. the moment. I'm like, this is, like, you. We're not wanting for things to do, which is yeah. fabulous. But, um, unlike uh, Perth culture, if it's. Uh, a little bit of rain outside, no one goes outside. Right. Because Wellington is uh, four seasons yeah, in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't go out, you'll never go out. But 
it's quite an, it, just like Australia, New Zealand is very open, mm. so there's a lot of space, etc., etc. But I found I found that not everyone is happy just to look at their little blue box in the corner. They're actually really happy mm. to go out and experience live, mm. and I think that culture is really important. Whereas I I mean Perth culture is, is changing, but for a very long time, if you were doing a show on a Wednesday night and it was raining, no one was going to turn up to see your show, mm-hmm. theatre, whatever, unless it was a big name act that was coming through. Yeah. People just don't go, oh, I'll go out tonight at the last, the last minute thing. Uh, I love you all, Wellington, but uh, try and plan ahead. Yes. As a producer, <laughs> uh, try and plan ahead because um, when you're when you're looking down the barrel of 20 people coming to a show on a Monday night and your show's on Friday and then you get to the showtime and it's sold out. It's wonderful but I tell you what, the stress we go through <laughs> on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday before you come to the show is... That's a heartfelt plea. I don't think that's going to change anything, unfortunately. I've <laughs> I lived, lived here for a long time and um, and it's... Yeah, there's no guarantees. I know. <laughs> there are no guarantees at all. I know. I notice but, it from like... Um, you know, I'll go to I'll go to shows that I've been tipped off are sold out, mm, and mm. everyone loiters until the absolute last minute as well. I was at a jazz festival show that was sold out, so nine hundred people, mm. and we got there with fifteen minutes to go, and there were about a hundred people, and with five minutes to go, I don't think there were more than three hundred people. You know, and somehow before it started. The lot, you know, people snuck in and the lights went down. And when they came up, it's, there was no one pushing in late. Everyone was there. It's like a magic trick, but it, it's, stre- <laughs> it's stressful, I imagine, for the performers and the pr- promoters. And yeah, and the venue as mm, well, because mm. if you know you've got to seat six hundred people in five oh, minutes, oh yeah, it's a like, mess. The logistics you know, of it, yeah, exactly. Oh, I don't, but I just, it's just, it's really, really cute because coming from the UK. Everyone loves a good queue in the UK. Mm. Like, all queuing, all that's all. It's what it's all about. <laughs> queuing is what it's all about. So in the UK, if you're not queuing, um, there's something wrong with the show. Right. If you're not in a queue. <laughs> um, and they people will get there a good half hour early. Mm, mm. Half hour early so they can queue. It's so bizarre. Wow. Um, but but wonderful. Um, so yeah, yeah, I hate queues. I've got to get there early so I avoid the queue or, or do the loitering. Yes. You know, and let it, and let the queue happen. I can't handle. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to get there early, but I'm going to go on as soon as I can and just sit in the seat. Yeah, was well, he in in a, in Perth as well? Very similar. No queuing. When I went to Edinburgh Fringe for the first time in two thousand and nine, I was like, everybody, there's queues, and everyone's in the rain, just waiting. What mm. this doesn't make sense to me. And then you realise you've got over a million people all trying to get to all these shows all at once. So of course there's mm. and there's the turnaround times are so short. It's like, ah, that's why we're all queuing in the rain to see this mm. amazing act. I mean, I got to see my my one of my absolute um heroes I got to see at Edinburgh Fringe in two thousand nine was Simon Callow, the actor. Yeah, yeah. And uh was doing an amazing piece and I was just like Oh wow! The, you don't get to see these names. Perth very isolated, just like New mm. Zealand, and so it's like this. This great actor would never be. Yeah, I was going to say you. You get people do their Australian tour, and their Australian tour is Sydney, Melbourne, or it's Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, maybe Adelaide, right? And, mm-hmm. Or and then it's Perth, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit, bit of attack on the end. Like how we get a lot of people that do Wellington, Auckland only, or they do Christchurch, Auckland only. 
and oh, yeah, right, even with New Zealand, like it, yeah, 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 yeah. one one and either one and either island, and you'll always get people in Christchurch saying, "Oh, we're missing out on gigs compared to Wellington," but I think on balance, you know, we we actually get less than they do. Mm, like it, mm. back when we had internationals, a lot, yeah. a lot of big name international music acts would go to Christchurch and wouldn't and would just bypass here. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, what were you doing when you were in when you were in, uh, in Perth? What were you into? What was I into? What, I what got you to you know? What got you to where you are now in terms of what were your interests as a kid? Okay, so my interest. Oh, my interest as a kid. Mm. Wow. So I wanted to be the first female astronaut when mm. I was a child. How's um, that going? That yeah, it's going well. <laughs> uh, shooting for the moon. Uh, but no, it's uh, so that I was very much into science, and mm. I'm a absolute geek and I'm very proud to be an absolute geek still um, so I was I did all my research and everything was into that and um, but my parents uh, were into amateur dramatics back when I was uh, a, a youngin so from the age of three I'd been around theatre and even though I wanted to be the first um, female <laughs> astronaut to ever walk on the moon I realized that I re- there was this weird thing called theatre. I really loved it. <laughs> and so um, all through high school, etc., I was like, oh. And then I decided I was going to go and do um, theatre and drama studies at Murdoch University, to which my parents were like, oh, but, you know, make sure you do some, like, some law units and some accounting units. And, and I went, oh, yeah, yeah, fine, I'll do those, which is great because now I'm a producer. So if you're doing the <laughs> arts, always do, always do, like, the, the boring job, the boring electives because uh, now I'm, like, so I love doing my theatre and drama, but I did do electives in um, contract law and accountancy and, you know, how to do mm. taxes and, mm. you know, blah, blah, blah. Um all the, things, all the um, things that a lot of creatives have are, no idea are frightened about. of. One way Very another. frightened yeah. of, and they and they should be. Mm. Um, but the thing is, if you can't read a contract, what are you signing? Mm. And if you, um, and you know, it, and also, and if you just, don't know how to get paid, you don't get paid. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's much easier now. But it used to everything, everything used to be done by mm. mail, mm. not email, mail, because everyone <laughs> was still scared of this weird email yeah. thing uh, that was going on. <laughs> uh, so uh, it's you know it's a and so yeah. So growing up, my interests changed and morphed quite quickly, and I ended up getting um, poached by the. Uh, Barking Gecko Theatre Company, which is the uh, young person's theatre company, to do stage management for them because it was an acting stage managing role. So they wanted someone that could do um, the backstage as well as the front stage. I found out at a very early age, I'm really good at organising things and (laughs) organising people. And, you know, um, and so a lot of people say, you're very full on. It's like, well, no, I just like things planned and organised, ducks in a row. You know, everything must be done early. Um, so I ended up touring with them to Singapore and, you know, and around the places uh, doing this show called Starlight, Star Bright, which was a non-verbal, which was an, you know, amazing mm. piece, of, you know, about the sun and the moon and the um, stars. So here we go, going back to that whole, <laughs> I'm going to be an astronaut thing. Uh, so, and I ended up working with them for a few years. Then I started my own theatre company um, and we put on four shows a year. What I'd do is I'd get really terrible job doing 
data entry or in something like that to fund the four shows a year I do and I liked doing um, sci-fi and that sort of stuff so um, and I worked with a couple of uh, really good friends from uni so we'd put on things like we did Frankenstein we did uh, 1984 as a play we did um, uh, what was the other one that we did that I was like, oh my god. Uh, so lots of, oh, Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. a multimedia. Also, I always like to use multimedia. I like to do things that were kind of different. I got permission for everything, by the way, so <laughs> don't come don't come for me. Um, like, yeah, so, I, you know, speaking to, I actually got to speak to Douglas Adams before he died, um, which was personally because I wanted, mm. to, cause I wanted mm. to do the show. And so, um, so that was quite amazing. Um so yeah, and always been a bit of a sci-fi geek. So all my stuff was sci-fi related, um, and that kind of stuff. Working with uh, some, as I said, amazing, <clears throat> amazing writer named Grant Watson. I did a lot of his shows. Um, a show that ended up almost being commissioned for television called, uh, but is still a comic book called The Angriest Video Star Clark and the World. We put that on stage. We, you know, um, I liked doing all that kind of stuff. And then um, at the age of 27 I was in a massive car accident and uh, that kind of flipped everything my entire world flipped on its head literally and metaphorically um, so I was um, uh, long story short uh, shattered both my phenomers broke my ulna cracked two ribs punched a lung and was scalped I died on the table while they were doing surgery on me uh, no, I don't remember anything. Uh, and I woke up, they had to put me in an induced coma, and I woke up four weeks later, uh, not kind of realising what had happened. I knew some, I knew there was a car accident, but I didn't know what was going on. So anyway, um, I, had, I was in a wheelchair for a year. I had to learn how to walk again, wow. uh, which meant that I really had to refocus if I was going to be working in the arts. Mm what was I going to do with my life because I, you know, it, so I ended up started, uh, there's a gorgeous little place kind of like Bats called the Blue Room um, and so I started working there for free because I was like I just need to get back in mm. again and uh, I was still on crutches and that kind of stuff and then I started doing PR work with a PR company and realised oh I'm actually really good at this whole admin thing, I'm going to mm. start doing that and then started properly producing so instead of like producing a play plus directing the play plus doing the stage management for the play and the lighting design for the play and the set design for the play I was like I can't do all those things anymore because I'm literally stuck yeah, um, but you can coordinate but them. I can coordinate these things yeah. so that that's ended up uh, so I still got my love of spreadsheets um, <laughs> I just had to learn to trust that designers could actually do a job and that a lighting designer could do a job and this person could do a job and that person could do a job and mm. and so that was a big learning curve for me at 27 knowing that I didn't have to do it all myself and that you know collaborating with others was possibly a good mm. thing um, which led me to um, and because I could do a lot of things I was seeing a lot of shows so I was doing seeing a lot of shows and that's absorbing, where absorbing yeah. absorbing and that's where I and I had a lot of friends in the comedy scene um, but I wasn't necessarily in the comedy scene and so what ended up happening then was uh, I ended up becoming quite a, interested in the comedy scene and that kind of stuff and then I got approached to run a festival 
called the Wild West Comedy Festival. And uh, it was... Yep, it was a, it was a festival. Uh, it was not uh, run the way I'd run a festival, so I came in and went, right, let's go. And I tried to turn... It'd been running for a couple of years, and so I worked really hard to make it something that mm. um, West Australia was proud of, that um, Eastern States and International Acts would actually want to be a part of, um, all this kind of stuff. But I was just on contract. And then after two years of doing that, I got approached by some other people going we'd like to run the, make a actual Perth International Comedy Festival and we would like to pay you this much money. And I went, oh yes, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a freelancer. <laughs> you, you pay me good money, I'll work. Like, mm. And so I worked on that for two years, which was um, absolutely fabulous. But the plan was never to stay in Perth um, because um, there's a big bad word out, world out there. Mm. And just like... Um, how gorgeous and small the community here is in all of New, New Zealand. Perth is also a very small community mm -hmm. with their own ways of doing things. And I looked down the barrel of doing that for the next 20 years of my life and went, I don't want to... I used to mm. perform. I'm physically getting better and, you know, I've got some lovely contacts and, you know, my then-boyfriend who, um, who ended up being my husband, uh, you know, was like... His career was not going anywhere in Australia, but everyone in the UK loved him. And I was like, let's just pull up stumps and go. Let's just do it. Let's yeah. just start again in another country. Um, and what you'd been through was always going to push you towards starting again somewhere. Somehow you were, you were effectively already doing that. But. Yeah. I mean, I think... I'm Also, I think with festivals, and this is, this is quite a controversial thing I'm about mm. to say, Simon, I don't think a festival director should sit in that seat for more than five years of any festival, right? For mm. more than five years. After five years, yet you... It's not that you don't have new ideas. No, no, it's, it's good. I agree with you. Um, it's like presidents and stuff, isn't it? It's like you know, it really yeah. is. That complacency, it, you know, that complacency comes in. That that lazy paycheck collecting situation of I oh, will autopilot. We we'll get this done. Exactly, and I mean, and that's you know, I, and the reason it's, it's controversial because there's a lot of festival yeah. directors who have been doing it for. Yeah. It's like. And I get it, because if you've started a festival and it's going really, really well, that's, that's your baby. great. That's, yeah. your, that's your baby, and you want to mm. be with your baby for the rest of its life. Mm. But it's, but at the same time, I'm like, I did, I laid an amazing groundwork for things to happen in Perth and went, you know what, I'm going to go do my own thing. Mm. And that's when I started seriously looking at becoming a performer again. See, I was also, so in my youth in my 20s, I was also an actor, and I and I mm. do acting, and I did some amazing shows and that kind of stuff. But the money was when was where backstage is, mm -hmm. and I like to put my own shows on. So never acted in my own shows, but I very much loved performing in other people's shows and that kind of stuff. And then I got to the point where I was like, oh, I'm not... I mean, I'd always get paid, but it's like, I'm doing this for fun, and I'm actually taking away jobs from young people who want to actually that's all they want to do with their lives whereas I've gone on audition for this because I've got a gap in my in my schedule of I'm not producing this show and I'm not doing a lighting design for this show and I'm not doing this for this show mm. so oh I can rehearse and do this for the next six weeks great let's do that and so that's where I was like oh I should stop doing that 
so I stopped doing that. Uh, but then, then car accident happened, so I was definitely not doing any of that. Um, and then being in the UK, being around such amazing creatives and seeing such amazing shows, and I just was like, yeah, karaoke's not doing it for me anymore as my <laughs> only performative outlet. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing uh, cabaret shows and putting my name up for lineups and that kind of stuff. And so I decided my very first, hello mate, my very first um, cabaret show I ever did in the UK. Uh, I said I said it to people and they were like, you're never going to be able to do this. And I was like, it's going to happen. So I decided my first cabaret was called was called Kitchen Cabaret, where I cooked leek and broccoli soup and Welsh cakes live on stage while singing Tom Jones songs and talking about my Welsh heritage. <laughs> um, so everybody got soup and everybody got a Welsh cake and everyone thought I was mad and I was like, okay, don't tell me I can't do it because now I have to do it and now I've now I've registered for the Edinburgh Fringe and for Brighton Fringe <laughs> and now I've got to buy all the equipment. Okay, let's go. Uh, so a lot of my friends came over uh, because I'd be doing timing. I'd literally say, like, they don't, they could all just sit there and have a drinky poo and stuff and I'd have my headphones on with the timings for Tom Jones songs mm. and... Uh, and be cooking away, going around. I go, and then I just like I burst in and go, "Here's your soup!" And they'd just be looking at me and I go, "One moment, your Welsh cakes are coming!" And they'd just be like, "What is going on?" It was, so, um, it was it was very good fun and very very silly show, mm. very silly show. Um, what was the sort of overall gestation period or recovery period for the kind of physical rehabilitation? So I physical rehabilitation. Uh, so I was. Uh, it uh, I won't go into the, the mm. it was very hardcore the physical rehabilitation and when you can't move and you're in pain all the time things don't happen so I was in a wheelchair for a year when I say I was in a wheelchair for a year I was also um, you know learning to walk again I think it was after uh, the, the main concern was it took a good three months before I could even attempt any weight bearing because what happened was uh my left leg, the bones weren't knitting, even though I had metal rods, the mm. bones weren't knitting and they were quite concerned that I wasn't going to be able to walk at all because mm. the bones weren't knitting. And um, now this is 2003, everyone, so now you know the math and you know how old I am. Um, so uh, what ended up happening... Was it two Yeah, 2003. Um, so what ended up happening was... Um, the bones weren't knitting and there was this new fangled thing on the market called glucosamine and i said to the doctors um there's this new fangled thing on the market. is it going to adversely do anything to mm. any of the meds and they looked like to me, looked at me like i was crazy I went you know that's fine you can do do whatever you want there yeah. mm. um within two weeks my bones started knitting hey maybe it was mind over matter mm -hmm. blah, blah. but my bones started knitting da -da -da, and they just went Right, so uh, we're going to start you on your actual rehab now because we can actually put, you can do load bearing, etc., etc. Mm. So that was, so I was in hospital for a long time, and that is very frustrating, um, and especially when you're in pain and and that kind of stuff. So, um, so I ended up, yeah. So learning how to walk again, all this kind of stuff. Um, I 
again, as I said, don't tell me I can't do something because uh, they told me I'd never walk mm. again, and I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not living with that. Mm. I'm not living with that information. I'm not. No, that's not happening. Um, so my rehab, uh, long, arduous, um, <clears throat> horrendous. So I managed to get off just before Christmas 2004 was when I finally got off my crutches. Um, and I was walking around, I, I used to call it my duck walk because I still couldn't, didn't, you know, I was still trying to work it out and I'd have to use a lot of surfaces, mm. couldn't stay upright for very long. Um, and yeah, and, but the, that rehab continued for another year so I could learn how to walk properly. Lots of, um, because uh, you're losing all muscle tone and or whatever, you know, as well, yeah, right? Like, completely. for all of your bed rest and all of your that's actually yeah. and on some level working against you as well completely yeah. so i ended up i w well, i would go and um do uh hydrotherapy three mm -hmm. times a week um to try and get that muscle mass happening and also yay water mm. uh taking all the body weight away from everything mm. um but yeah i mean it it's it was hard slog and re and also being quite a fiercely independent person having to rely on other people yes, to drive yeah, me places yeah. and do things for Assist me assist you um, yeah, and especially when I went home, it was kind of like, couldn't go to the toilet by myself, couldn't, like, I could, I could actually, once I got in there, I was mm -hmm. fine, but I used to have to get transferred from the bed onto a commode, mm -hmm. wheeled into the bathroom, and then I'd have to go, right, I'm done, it, it was, mm -hmm. and it, and it's quite, um, yeah, you, you have to learn to just be like, this is what's happening, and you can't have any shame in it, and you can't have... And you have to just be going. This is I'm just. This is just what's gonna mm. happen. And the the kind of uh, I mean, please tell me if you don't want to talk about mm -hmm. any of this. But the the um, mental, spiritual, emotional rehabilitation. You seek that out through your work. Is that is that? Do you feel like that's something that's ongoing or? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, your life was changed. Yeah. Oh no, my life was completely changed. Um, I think. What it what it has done for me is I, I mean I was very fortunate because uh, at the time uh, they also added in uh, mental health support which they don't normally do mm. for car accidents until recently and there's been lots of changes with people and that sort of stuff mm. so I was very fortunate to also get um, counselling and that kind of stuff as a part of my rehabilitation so that was good but what it's taught me what it's taught me is I have a very different attitude than I used to have and I'm much more um, uh, let's look at the reality of what's happening today because to tomorrow mm -hmm. could, yeah. everything could be com absolutely different well, you're and, you're literally lucky to be alive yes oh I mean we yes. all we all are on many levels mm, but you've mm. experienced it on a profound level oh no yeah and so for me uh, we all have our good days and our bad days. Mm. Um, but for me, you know, if I'm having a really, really bad day, I just look at how fortunate I am. I look at how, um, you know, being the little feisty Jack Russell that will never quit has always been my, my go-to from even mm. before the character. But be since then, I'm just like, no, no, I can do all these things. I can, I can do it. I mean, I didn't start doing burlesque until I was 39 years old right cabaret yes burlesque no mm. and i just went you know what 
I love it. I, you know, I'm, I really enjoy the, the fun, the, in, the ridiculousness, the cheekiness. I'm very much not a classical burlesker. I'm very much a fuck the system burlesker, and mm. I love that. And audiences that seem, well, they tell me they do. I, I mm. have a good time. They have a good time. Um, you know, that it's never too like, and I, I must admit, like when you have to start again I've had to start again so many times throughout mm. my life so you know car accident fuck I've got to start again moving to a new country fuck I've got to start again moving here and mm. going oh fuck and, like, and, and I'm like when I moved here I was like I'm 44 years old do I actually have do I have the strength to start again I really had to ask myself that question it's like mm. can I start over and I went of course I can Right? It's about, like, I wasn't happy about it <laughs> um, until I realised that I'm actually in love with New Zealand and I don't want to leave ever. And it's brilliant. But the thing is, is that, like, for me, it's like, you can, you actually can't, it doesn't matter your mm. age, you can actually start again if you, if you just go, actually, this is the reality of what's happening is I can either be here in New Zealand and be very, very sad and go, oh, I really wish I was back in the UK, really wishing I wasn't back in the UK because everyone has been stuck in isolation there for yeah. 14, 15 months with rules changing and things changing and blah, blah, blah. and just D a Directionless of, leadership. Yeah. Oh, and just a whole lot of mess, right? Mm. Or go, oh, my gosh, I've managed to be in the safest haven yeah. in the entire world through serendipity can I do it again? With enough um, connection, like yes. with some friends that you yes. knew that you got to experience it with, which helped. Yeah, you were, well, that you was You were it. like COVID refugees together. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and the thing is, is that the community here has, it's so lovely and supportive. Like, it's the, that's the thing that I find most, oh, are they, is that the scaffolders? Nah, it's not, it's a rubbish truck. Excellent. Um, what I found so amazing about this place is, I'm sure there is a lot of bitching and moaning yeah. and things happening behind yeah. the scenes. But I've come in and just gone, this is me, this is what I'm like. Uh, you can like me, not like me, I don't mind. Let's all just be supportive and lovely and give mm. everybody a helping hand and a safe space here. Because it's the we talked about the tall poppy syndrome a little mm. bit. Mm. And, um, yeah, every New Zealander is down on their ability. And I'm sitting there going, this is amazing, you guys are amazing. And everyone's going, no, no, you're amazing because you've been overseas. It's like, that's not enough. Mm. That's actually not enough. I've also got to, the proof's got to be in the pudding of what I do as well. That's right. Um, and, you know, um, so for me, it's it's like, I was like, can I, can I start again? I started again. I've had nothing but support and love from everybody I've been working with. I've got some amazing Fano here now, mm. which is just so wonderful but again having um mike and samina as my rocks mm. uh throughout the entire process has been great because one they're both creative so it's not like i was stuck with people mm. who were like i don't understand why you're mm. running around m miming to you know lip syncing to <laughs> things and then putting it on the internet that seems very strange you know mm. you know understanding that you know sometimes i just need the lounge room to mm. sing what a feeling mm. uh you know and um and be very very again silly. we all do on some level exactly. whether we go about articulating it or not exactly that's a spiritual thing <laughs> yeah and uh you know and 
you know, I speak to people and they're like, oh, I could never do stand-up, I could never do performance. And I'm like, but I hope that you sing in the shower or you cook mm. or you do something creative because, or just read. Like, that's, mm. that's like, I, you know, um, I met a person and um, they're yeah, reading reading's really the ultimate into, portal to the arts, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and like they're really into reading. I'm like, that's great. You don't have to go yeah. see a show. You don't have to do anything. Your, yeah. your creativity is in your own mind. Mm. And these this is what I love about reading versus movies. I mean, movies are awesome as well, mm, mm. but you get to create the characters, what they actually looked like. Like the description gives you a guide, but this world, it's your own, your well, world. Also movies on almost every level came from reading, you know, Indeed. they, are, they are, you know, it's not a chicken egg thing at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's obvious what happened. Yeah. And, movies come from reading mm. people who make movies and um as well as people who watch movies um it's all come from reading mm. yeah and this but this not is just source material yeah, yeah oh yeah. completely completely that too, but yeah um but the, i mean i think and i think that's the thing is people go oh, i'm not creative i'm not this i'm not mm. that and then you find that they've got all these side projects like they make they bead bracelets yeah. or they you know or they they're paint they just paint because yeah. they can and and i'm like and it's amazing yeah, yeah yeah and i'm like oh my goodness it's you know uh a lot of you know, I think this country as well gives a lot of uh, gravitas to the arts, uh, maybe not funding-wise as much as we would all mm. like, but it is integral to our culture um, here, and it's integral to uh, the whole storytelling culture and all that kind of stuff as well. It's like, mm. this is what is fabulous, is that people want to go out, they want to be entertained, they want to have entertainment, um, and the government isn't going, oh, look, we'll just slash the arts budget again because uh, we need more mm. businesses doing business <laughs> things that yeah. business. Um, do, 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 and yeah, which is totally. what they do in Australia, which mm. is what they do in, you know, like, you know, the, the... Well, there's a perception still that they do that here, but they actually don't. You're right. Not on that level at all. Yeah. Not on a level where mm. they literally make an announcement going... Mm. So we are literally ca slashing the arts budget. Like yeah, they yeah. make here. What's well, the thing is what I have found here is that, you know, um, I'm not sure uh, I'm going to get the name wrong. So uh, don't fact check me on this <laughs> one, guys. But um, there's a journalism fund that's just uh, that's been out uh, yeah, recently yeah. Yeah. to to like make sure that good journalism, high quality journalism, that documentaries are being made, that this, that, that I mean, those kind of funds are out there. There's a lot of money being thrown at yeah. at that kind of stuff. Not not a lot, not enough for the amount of projects that are being done. So you got those kind of fundings. I mean, um, CNZ as a just as a whole, what an amazing concept yeah, yeah. that every eight weeks, yeah, every eight weeks something artistically is being funded. Yeah, phenomenal. It can be from an art project, uh, visual art all the way through to an opera, all the way through to a dance piece, yeah. all the way through to something strange and unusual. Yeah. Wow, from my yeah. point of view. And then you've got the venues, especially here in, in Wellington, the venues who are also going for these types of funding, which is separate from the artists who are putting yeah. on the shows in these venues, who are then giving you more support financially or yeah. um, just uh, hire-wise. You don't have to pay. And I'm like... This is... Yeah, this it's, amaz is it's amazing. Actually... I really think... 
um, you know, again, people love to put the boot into things like CNZ because they missed out once or, or many many times mm. maybe, or they know someone who did or whatever, and you know. Uh, but I mean, the funding bodies here are they are the midwives to a lot of art, you know. They are, and they are also the or, or they're the people calling out the who gets the golden ticket and. Yeah. When that happens, there's obviously always going to be a what about me situation, yes. but we need to sort of focus on the, you know, who have they enabled and what and what has that done? And exactly. isn't that great that it even is an option? Because, because at the end of the day, um, and, you know, I think people involved in, in creativity and, and hoping to have it funded or, or, or make something from it don't like hearing this, but at the end of the day, there's no reason why you should be funded necessarily like you know you want to go and make art go make it mm. and you're very lucky if you can make a living from it or if you can make something that doesn't cost you money mm. or if someone wants to contribute in some way you're very lucky i'm not saying mm. you shouldn't get that yeah but you've got to remember what a privilege that is that yeah. that could happen well i mean i when i was young and had a lot more energy uh pre-car accident when i had my own theater company i decided to not go for go for funding and mm. literally work a really really shitty yeah, jobs job. um that to, paid well to, to, to fund, fund it, yourself yeah. to fund myself and i'm not saying that that's what everyone should do but what but the thing is is here i mean i have uh, i've been of that receiving end of yes we've managed to get cnz funding or wellington city council funding but other times i've applied for these places and just been given big fat blanket mm. no and it mm. is it's disappointing it's demoralizing it's mm. like what could i have done better and the thing is is there's only so many projects that can be supported yes because uh, there's a finite amount of money and so if we're all doing something about a bowl of petunias mm. they're only going to fund one mm-hmm that's right. Project that's working on a bowl of petunias, yeah. unless it's the bowl of petunias festival, then the bowl of petunias <laughs> so festival. Month, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so the deadline might have closed. It might have closed that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if that's an entire festival, then mm. the festival should obviously be getting the funding, and then that should be helping the artists that's involved right. yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that's where my, you know, because that's where my skill set. Come, comes in, I'm helping a lot of different um, organisations, like uh, grassroots organisations and that kind of stuff, doing shows and producing shows and that kind of stuff. So that's how I'm, you know, supporting my cabaret burlesque, ca- ca- mm. you know, comedy lifestyle because, yeah, you unfortunately you cannot make a living wage here as mm. a performer. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you about that, but first I want to... Um, I want to... Um, I don't usually pry into people's relationships, but you've mentioned a husband yes. on more than one occasion, yes. and then you said about making a life here. Yes. And obviously in the UK things are different, but what's going on there? What's going <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, many discussions. Yes. Uh, so, uh, okay, so... Um, the, Is the hope that you will meet again? Well, yes, I'm sure. I, I think we are going to meet again. But yeah. see, my career and my life is going so well here. And as I said before, I'm a very mm. independent woman. Mm. And um, John's career is going so well and so amazingly over in the UK. Because even through lockdown, he managed to get on Twitch before it all happened. And right. he's got lots of followers. And he's been doing um, amazing live streams for charities and that kind of stuff. So he, he made almost... 
£40,000 for three charities just recently doing a 50-hour stream and all that kind of thing. And so um, we love each what other is very much. Is, is it comedy stuff? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's comedy. And, yeah. you know, and, so, and we love each other very much and we're each other's best friends. It's just life has happened mm. to literally make us the polar opposites of each other in, in the world. Mm. Um, and... That's okay for both of us. And it's not a brand new relationship. You've, no. You've, you've, you've been together a long time. <laughs> Very so, long time. So that makes the separation easier to bridge eventually. Yeah. And also, yeah. when we first got together with um, John being a comedian, he would um, he would go away on tour for mm. three months at a time. Mm. And that was perfect. It's the, there's, nothing be- there's nothing better than having a, a partner that just <laughs> leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all wonderful and yeah, you can yeah. have your own life and do your own thing and and it's and it's the weird moment when you do get back together after such a long time i mean we talk all the time we um we yeah it's 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 a weird one because everyone's like but what about sex uh and it's just like well that's none of your business mm. and um but no uh, uh, but the thing is is that it's it's i think long distance can be very very hard if that is the only relationship you think is a viable relationship, yeah. I think there are many relationships to be had for people. I have, I'm not against anyone who is monogamous or anything like that. Mm. But the thing is, is that you know when you're when you are completely in love with each other and you support and you trust and you you know think that each other are just the best. I've got that with my best friends as well. Mm. I've got that, you know, I've got, I've got that with my friends here. I've got, it's, you know, just because you're, for me, just because you're married to someone doesn't mean you own them mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. And where we've always, what I've, what I've found is that two independent people who enjoy sharing their lives together, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to physically share your lives mm. with each other. And yet the plan is, I mean, he's, he's had his first COVID shot and he's going to get his second one in August. Um, the rollout here is happening, um, and uh, because I, I fit into the older person's category, I'll be also getting my first one in August and hopefully my second one by December. So the plan is that, yes, we will definitely meet, but we kind of realised it was going to be a good two to three years before mm. we physically yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, you're other. not. You didn't come to that realization, realization just recently. That was no. You've gone through that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I felt. I felt for the benefit of anyone listening. I had to. Uh, you know, you yeah. need to pick up on that husband thread. Yeah, you know, like completely, <laughs> completely. And and the thing is, is that like for me, it's about you know, it's. It's like I say. I say to people, it's like you know anyone who's who because it's 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 a hard one when when you when you're talking about these kind of things because it yeah it seems weird to people Mm. but for me it's actually like you know well my best it's like we we put labels on things and we put people in boxes it's like so when i say my husband i'm literally Mm. saying my best mate Mm. like that is over there and it's really unfortunate that um you know pandemic times have stretched you know stretched us so far apart yeah but it hasn't because you know we've been doing more communication about each other we've been really listening to what each other's Mm, been doing mm. and like really instead of like oh how was your day dear oh yeah very nice and Mm. that was about it 
um, it's now like, so what's been happening with you this week? Because, um, you know, he's really interested because I've been doing all these things and being able to go out mm, and mm. performing and, you know, doing these things and I show him my costumes and he's actually genuinely interested as opposed to me going, yes, I was don't say, talk to me, um, I'm making costumes. <laughs> you know, like, you know, it's I was like, going to say, particularly with two creative people who are performers. Yes. Um, and the, under the same roof the whole time, even if you're doing completely separate disciplines, your your jobs slash hobbies, because they're both, mm. are basically in competition. Yes. Whereas now, you're, you're completely invested in each other's progress and process because yes. it's going to be the thing that's going to help you meet again. Yes. It's keeping you sane. It's keeping you um, buoyant. Yes. Financially. Yes, definitely. You know, spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to be more... There's more, you know, and the physical distance means the communication medium allows you to to focus in on that stuff, whereas it would be a fleeting annoyance sometimes. Well, day day yeah. to day stuff, mm. you know, day to day stuff was always like, oh, I've got a gig this week, next week, but yeah. I've got to do yeah, this, I've got to becomes, do that. And just becomes sharing calendars. It's noise. Yeah. 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 Whereas now it's it's genuine. How, yeah. how did this go? Oh, yeah. that's I'm great. interested. <laughs> you know, how many people yeah. were there? Oh, that's amazing that yeah. you sold out. Or, oh, oh, okay, that's a low mm. audience. And, you know, what, you know, and just things like, how do you think you can improve that? And, you know, and that's been really exciting is mm. that that end of that end of the communication has been really positive and wonderful. But I also think it's because here um, I'm, uh, when I work in PR, I'm all about communication. Mm. I always have been. But you do, I think, in relationships, you get very lacedaisical with communication. Mm, mm. And you and you and sometimes you can think that you've said it and you haven't said it. Um, so now it's really good that I'm actually able to give that um, to someone that I love and trust and, you know, mm. think is amazing and talented and wonderful. But also... Um, thinks that I'm amazing and talented mm. and wonderful and you forget to tell each other that mm-hmm. when you're just day by day. Yeah, getting through the grind. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about, um, that That answer is sufficient. You have <laughs> totally, you know, clarified that and ticked that box. Um, th- tell me about burlesque at, at 39, as you put it. Ah, yeah. Well, mm. okay, so um, the where, what I wanted to do, so... Um, I, I'm. We've talked about my car accident, so I'm yeah. in pain every single day because of my injuries. But mm. I don't let that stop me. And what I really wanted to do was I wanted to do a dance class at 39 because I wanted to do something a little bit different, exercise-wise. And I realised I don't have any dance skill, and going into a and I have injuries, which means that yeah. I could be potentially halting a dance class up because I'm going to have to ask for different things, la la. And then I realised burlesque is a very highly skilled art form, please don't get me wrong. But I realised if I went and started doing some beginner's classes of burlesque mm-hmm. and said to the teacher, look, I've got these things, so I don't think I can, I'll can. i be able to do X, Y and Z, mm. I was less likely to stop the dance class in that regard, because mm. if I needed to do something, put my arm against the wall, we weren't. If you know, if I had to, do, if I was doing a weird move, yes, it could be incorporated. Yeah. There's a freedom of expression in that style, yeah, and more so, so than in others. Yeah, yes. so yeah. you know, so and and so that's where I started. Yeah, and at 39, and at the time, um, over 100 kilos, I went to the door 
I was nervous as anything. I went to the door. I went, if everybody in there is 18 and skinny, I'm... Um, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm leaving. It's not happening. I know I've prepaid, but I'm yeah. leaving. Right? And I opened the door every single type of... Shape and shape, size, size and yeah. human was there. And I just went, I think I'm home. Yeah, yeah. These are my people. I think I'm <laughs> actually home. And everyone was welcoming. Everyone was this... Um, and it didn't matter if you wanted to just wear shorts and a t-shirt and it didn't matter if you and it didn't matter if you wanted to get all the kit off and do the thing and um at the end of it there was a performance that you could all do or not do if you chose Mm. to you could choose to um take your bra off or not take your bra off if you chose like it was just so safe and holding as Mm. a and i was like um I love this. Anyway, and I spoke to the spoke to the teacher, and they went, they went, yeah, you should just be doing solos. <laughs> I went, oh, okay. And they went, yeah, um, I want to work with you on a solo for the next one. I said, oh, can I also do the fan class because I'm really interested in doing the fan class, and and because that was the intermediate was fans. Mm. I was like, she was like, oh no, you can also do the fan class. I've got no problem, but I need to work with you on a solo, and I'm like. Okay, because um, I love performing, and so um, and and another thing is, it, the UK is very different to here. But it was like a lot of the girls were drinking before their this group thing, mm. and I'm looking at them going, "Big fat no, guys!" Like I I have a I have a no no drugs or alcohol before I perform. After I perform, you better believe there's a glass of prosecco in my yeah, hand. Yeah, but not like like we're in heels we're doing yeah there's things a few there's things a, that can go wrong it's a yeah, lot to concentrate on you know and there's a whole new routine mm. that we've learned mm. over the past six weeks that we're supposed to be and but again again everyone's a big uh, grown adult and they can make their own decisions yeah, yeah. as far as i'm concerned and you can understand why for all of the um problems that i mean this is the you know go back to that great homer simpson quote alcohol the the, the you know cause of and answer to all of life's problems yep. you know that's the thing isn't it like so for all of those variables that could be impaired by alcohol there's a pretty obvious reason why people would want it yes i mean it's it's you it's, know a, it's it's a blanket yeah definitely on many many mm. levels mm. um but and and so but here i mean i i am loving the the a lot of the producers here are like no drinks before the yeah, show cool. no drinks before the show and I like that. And the stage managers are like, if you're drunk, I'm not letting you on stage. And I'm like, this is this is the kind of uh, support I think we all need. It's um, ama- but, you know, I was thinking, you know, when you were telling that story and talking about how the safe space, inclusive element, that's not just that discipline or that art form. Mm. That, that That's the combination of that with the the timing of when you found it. So yes. if you had, for whatever reason, gone down a different door in life and walked, opened that door to burlesque at 18 mm-hmm. or, or 26 mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you might not have found it as welcoming. Yes. Correct. You know? Oh, correct. You know, I was having this chat with um, Kate Spencer, who you know, mm-hmm. um, recently about the poetry stuff and coming back to it and, you know, the, the safe space of poetry, which wasn't an element when I went to open mics last. Mm, it was mm. to, it was the classic get up on stage and be funny or be good and let people drink their piss and if you're not as good as Sam Hunt don't bother. Or wow, if you know yeah, it was that yeah. kind it was yeah. that kind of 
it was sometimes slightly hostile. Obviously, there were great open mics to go to and stuff, but it was almost combative, you know. But that's, you know, early 90s. That's a quarter of a century ago. Now it's like, hey, we just want to remind people if if, if this information you're going to hear from a range of voices is in any way triggering walk out the door no mm. one's going to think you're leaving because mm. they suck they, yeah. they, we want you know and all this sort of stuff that's really important and empowering oh yeah? I think it's and I think it's also I mean I also think it um, the thing I like about that conversation with an audience it also gives both parties responsibility mm. because you're also reminding an audience hey you you've come here to be entertained mm. so please behave like a good audience mm. and you know which I Quite, I quite enjoy that. But I also quite enjoy, you know, that because um, it it used to be a case that if something was uh, a comedy is is the thing where it's still a bit strange because mm. you know you still have hecklers and you still have people getting up and then the comedian commenting on them and da 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 and so. But I, you know, the thing that I like about us all being more aware of mental health issues and things that happen to people mm. is that. You know, I do, I mean, I do, I did a show called Bondage Queen Sings the Hits and Mm. I literally, in my one hour show, I was like, if you need to get up and get a drink, you need to go do your thing, you you do your thing Mm. Um, because I don't want people, I don't want people to feel like they're stuck somewhere. Yeah, held hostage. Going through their own anxiety. Uh, um, I would much prefer that people had to, also, there is, also, I mean, I've been, I've been there myself going, I really need to pee, right? Like you're in a you're in a theatre show and it's like 15 minutes before the end and you're like, I I'm I'm not enjoying myself anymore. And isn't it the thing that do it? Yeah. Isn't, isn't it the thing that if you give people license to get up and leave and to fuck off to not feel stink about it, they are actually more likely to sit and drink you in. Yes. As well. Yes. Because yes. you've cured one thing about the situation straight away, you've addressed it. Yeah. You've gone. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable, so they instantly feel comfortable. Yeah, and you know it. It it is for yeah, and I think it's when I perform, it's like I want someone to be in my living room with me. It's a. Mm. It's for me. It's about us all having a good time together. Now, sometimes that's not everyone's cup of tea. Like what I do or what mm. a performer does. I mean, I've seen some amazing things here, and I've seen some. Oh, oh, I should. I wish I was not sitting yep. in that room anymore yep. and that's okay um so and but yeah i think it's that um it's like because uh, uh you know when i when i've seen poetry i've just gone wow this is run well it's done well mm. um and the people who are n- trying stuff out they're actually being held by the yeah, audience they're not being they're not there's not this oh, yeah, you know, totally. looking at their watch, kind of, kind of thing. It's, it's. There's, there's a lot of, okay, that maybe not was the best thing I've ever heard, but, you know, good for you for giving it a red hot. And yeah, I love big that. time. And I, I've been amazed too with the poetry thing. Watching people turn up, and they say it's their first time, and people are res- respectful and encouraging of that. But the person that goes on their first time, they never outstay their welcome. They don't get that rush of blood to the head and go that you know Sally Field they like me they like me yeah, yeah, and yeah. read another or, mm-hmm. or whatever or, mm-hmm. pa- or panic and fuck up and storm off yeah. they get through it but they get through it in the amount of time that they should mm-hmm. people sort of know the rules mm-hmm. people have you know better than they ever 
you know, yeah. as we're breaking down rules for people, people know the, you know, the kind of performer rules better than they ever had. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And I th- and the, th- the thing that I, the thing is, I, the thing that's interesting about that, because, you know, there's different types of performance. So, like with the poetry and the comedy, you kind of know how long your poem mm. is going to mm. be, but it's, for some people, it's hard to hit those seven to nine minute brackets yeah, with yeah. The, poems because like, what ones do I use and yeah, yeah. do I chat in between and and comedy a lot of comedians rely on a light which I find yes. interesting yeah me too not um, that I do comedy but watching it I find that interesting yeah, yeah which I find interesting that they rely on a light to tell them to get off it's like I know book your set yeah. your set's been booked for seven minutes you should yeah hone your material you should know you yeah. should know that uh, whereas what's great about cabaret and burlesque is I'm like Right, I'll do two minutes worth of chat. My song's four minutes. I'm sweet. I'm sweet. Like that's you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's my little um, set. That's my set. My yeah. set. My set's done. Or if people want more, then mm-hmm. I can do more. Yeah. But you know, it's that. But yeah, this whole light scenario, I find. Yeah, me too. I was at something not that long ago, um, and I think it was like the Raw Monday thing mm-hmm. or whatever. And so you know, you got beginner various stages of beginner comedy basically, and the light flashing was distracting to me and I was right down the back. So I was just getting it in, mm, out of the mm, corner. Mm. But you noticed the moment, and no one pulled that off naturally. As soon as they saw the light, there was a pause. It was very much deer in the headlights. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. God, I've got to wrap up. Oh, God, I've got to wrap up. How do I finish this? Oh, I've got to cut to the punchline. Oh, but I haven't actually thought through mm-hmm. how to do that without telling all the steps. And, you know, there were even people that just go, right, that's my time. I'm off in mm. the middle of a story. And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, I don't know how, yeah, I think that the answer is time your fucking shit out and practice it. Mm, and, mm. And, and it's better to actually look at your watch on stage, I would have thought, run your stopwatch or, or your phone and look at that than, yeah. a, than, a, than a light. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that would, I mean, that's, um, you know, there's a, there's a thing in in the comedy industry going, oh, just doing a tight five, mm. which means that you've meant mm. to, you were meant to do five and you end up doing twenty minutes. Mm. And so mm. I get why the, there's that light thing, mm. because they, I love comedians so much, but they are quite narcissistic in oh. the photos. I'm on stage. I've got it's my a stage. Very unnecessary I'm not getting off. use of the word quiet then, by you. Um. <laughs> Love, so, love. So, sorry to edit on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And 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 uh, thin, and I guess comes with the narcissism, but uh, a very fragile uh, exterior, you know, a very thin skin around it. Uh, the you know the idea that you know I'm up here doing this, and the only people that can possibly understand me are the other people who are up here doing this. Mm. I, that has some validity. Mm, mm. Absolutely, it's mm. it's it's great to have. To know what it's like to go through a performance. Yes. And, um, you know, I think I always never never really tried to justify myself, but if people asked me when I was reviewing things, well, what do you know of this? It was I could at least say, I've been on a stage and played in a band. I've been on a stage and emceed, mm, mm. done poetry and stuff. Mm. I've, I've fucking died on stage. Mm, I've bombed. Mm. Oh, haven't we all? <laughs> exactly. But it's, you know, in yeah. the capacity of a reviewer, that's quite a... I don't think every reviewer can say that. And no, I, I don't yeah. think any needs to. I don't yeah. think they need to, but it was always in my back pocket, mm. you know. I mean, I, yeah. I, see, I love feedback from, I love feedback from um, arts practitioners, but the people I love the feedback from the most are just audiences, mm. actual audiences, because 
I don't necessarily agree with the feedback I get, but it's like you're you're not you don't have any skin in the game. You don't have to tell me what you liked and didn't like. So what about the people with the skin in the game? You just left out critics then. You just went straight uh, from that. No, well, critics <laughs> no critics are critics are um okay it's I take everything with a grain of salt, mm. right? I honestly don't think that I, anything I produce is perfect because nothing can be perfect because mm, mm. that's yeah, just... Uh, in theory, you'd stop if once you'd exactly. <laughs> attained... Exactly. When, yeah. when you actually reach that brass ring... Why are you um, going to carry on? Yeah. yeah, what else is do? So I know there's always room for improvement mm. and always things that I can do bigger, better, bolder. Uh, so, but when I get it from... So when I, when I have arts practitioners, they come in with beautiful ideas and mm. and these kind of things and suggestions but what's great is i see them as suggestions and sometimes i go actually that's amazing can i use that mm. and they go yes and i go fabulous because that actually rounds off that joke or that rounds mm. off that piece or you know that's a something i never thought even thought about so that's great um when i get a, a review in mm. sometimes as I said, I'm not for everyone, so I don't mm. mind being I don't mm. mind being Marmite. And mm. some of the reviews I've gotten, um, I look, I know exactly because you know it's so easy to stalk people via mm. into the internet. Mm. So I know exactly who my reviewer is before <laughs> they come in. This is in Edinburgh, everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. And I look at them. And, and do you do that? Do you do that research beforehand? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So I know who's in my audience because yeah, yeah. um, not always, but sometimes I have audience interaction, and you don't want to be yeah. picking a reviewer for that. No, no, it's crossed my mind. I don't think it's ever quite happened to me, but it's crossed my mind when I know I'm going to something that's severely interactive mm, i think mm. like this is i don't i don't worry about it for myself i worry about it for the performer and, and the audience i think like if they know who i am or if i didn't have to go away and reference it mm -hmm. it just sort of fucks it all up yeah yeah i'm just thinking should i hope i hope they just ignore me and pick someone that can contribute exactly yeah, so exactly it's so, interesting to have your read on that yeah, yeah. and so and you know it, and what i felt what i found really interesting it depends it literally depends on the reviewer it depends on the day they had that day. Yeah. It depends if they're actually interested in the piece or if they've just been shoved. You must go mm. see this show. Mm. Um, so, and and I and it's and it's really interesting because you know the amount of review. I'm not. These are not necessarily your reviews, but the re re reviews that you read in Perth. I'll give mm. a Perth example. Right. <sighs> Couldn't find a car park on oh, the way yeah. to, on the way, you know. <laughs> they not, charge too much for the drinks. Right, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Get to the theatre. My my ticket has, mm. hasn't has been found. They finally find my ticket. Blah, 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 blah. Shit review. Mm. Amazing mm. show. Mm. The, sh the, the reviewer has had a bad day. They've just broken up with their girlfriend, their partner, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. they're like, and they're going and doing this. And it's like. Because mm. yeah. no one can be completely objective mm. when they're reviewing something. Mm. That's the whole point. You're actually mm. giving your personal opinion. And I've gotten some feedback on some things and just gone, oh, I can I can see that. But, um, you know, when one reviewer was like, oh, she came out wearing a costume, a costume, uh, a, a costume akin to rocky horror uh you know uh mm. picture show and i read that and i went oh you didn't get a you you didn't get anything about about this and yeah. you don't, i don't think you've even seen rocky horror picture show yeah, because yeah. i got a designer to make like i got a proper like yeah. design yeah. fetish store to 
put together my costume for me so that it would be unlike mm. anything that people had, mm. had seen. And, and it was just little it was little things and and then and she hated the show good on her and i loved i loved that she hated the show but everything she said i was like no no i got that yeah yeah yep that could have been rehearsed more oh that because when i did it in edinburgh two years ago i didn't do what i did when i got here is i got um a dramaturg to look at it i got a choreographer in to help me with my dance moves and i got a vocal coach to really make sure that i hit everything mm. that needed to be hit and so, of course, the show was so very different to what was up there. But her notes was it wasn't rehearsed enough. It wasn't this, you know, the you know, at sometimes this, that, and the other. I mean, the biggest, the biggest change was I was doing the show in Edinburgh all into a plug-in microphone. Here, it was a headset microphone, which mm. meant it was a completely mm. more cabaret, more more movement, more, more like yeah. people were sitting in my lounge room. Yeah, yeah. Which is what I love. There was no physical barrier. Yeah those things um yeah so it's little it's little things mm. it's it's little things like that that as a critic i love a, i love someone who's like this is but i also look at it and go well that's your opinion mm, mm. you were always going you were always going to hate the show it's interesting i mean i always end up asking or getting into a discussion with performers about what they think of reviews, I can't, I can't not. Mm, mm. But it's interesting because I, you know, I've often thought like, well, the review's actually not for the performer at all. If they take something from it, that's fine. And often it's a, it's a quote for advertising, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. you know, um, you're welcome. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> exactly. I don't get anything. Because I don't get anything for that, for mm -hmm. example. But, but yeah, my my review isn't really meant to be for the performer, which which is kind of weird because they're sort of the meat in the sandwich that someone else is eating you know yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. Completely. however it works you well, know yeah, I mean, the, yeah yeah and and the thing is yeah reviews are good for a byline like i mm. say to, and i also i as a pr person i say to people because i used to do a lot of shows uh pr for shows in the uk as well and i'd say to them because they'd i'd get a phone call going we only got three stars for this show blah, 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 blah. and i'm like and I'm like, I'm saying to them, I can't make your show better. All mm. I can do is sell it. I can't mm. make them like your show. Mm. That's your job. That's like. <laughs> your, yeah. your job is to do the best show yeah. you can. But if you, but if you, and and I also said, and I'm also going. This is one person's opinion. Mm. One person's opinion, right? You can either like it or not like it. But I can't make that person who got sent to see your show like your show, and mm. and so like. So there's a lot of people who have got enough stars and enough this, that, and they just go, I don't need a reviewer to come mm, mm, see me because I'm going to mm. sell out regardless yeah. of, yeah, fair you know, enough. it's not going to, it's not going to do me any more business because my business is sold, you know. Mm. And so it's that kind of thing that, whereas here, it I think reviews are important, well, for me, I find, I found them important. It's like, do people actually like what I do? Should I continue doing mm, stuff here? Mm. For me, it was all... It yeah, was it's like a, a taking the temperature of the room, right? Yeah. Like, it's a... Is, is there... Well, not a need for this, but because the need is for you. But, mm. but yeah, is is there an audience for this that actually isn't reluctant? Yes. That isn't forced along as the plus one of someone that's a friend or, you know? Yes. Is there, you know, is this viable in that sense? Yeah, and, and I think, and that's what, and that's what I've think is great because you know um i mean i got great reviews by the way everybody <laughs> uh, but like but for me it's like yeah you also when you perform in a new country you don't mm. know what people are good and luckily new zealand and australia are similar I'm mm. not gonna, but yeah. similar you know where you can you know drop a couple of 
words and everyone's not going to, you know, you know, say 20 Hail Marys at you. Uh, but at least, you know, it's a, it's a different, I think, especially with reviewing, right? It's like, let's just say you come and see my show and you absolutely hate it and you give me a bad review. That's literally your your opinion, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna have a coffee with you next mm. week. Again, I like people are pe people are human beings. You you don't have to like everything that I do, if you know what I mean. But that doesn't mean well, that do, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. I do you. know what you mean, but no one's ever said it to me like that before. <laughs> so that's a first. It's ah. interesting. Yeah. But I, what I was gonna say was, you know, it's very clear to me that your um, continued background as a someone working in PR for shows mm. and producing mm. is having a great influence on you as a performer in, in many regards, including in the feedback one. Mm. Mm. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, yeah, I would say definitely. And the, and I think the reason... Because you're, you're, you're hunting out and seeing what's selling shows for others. Mm -hmm. So that's really helpful for you jumping back across the other side to perform. Completely. And yes... You almost have a detachment in your brain. Yes. You know, which, which is hard to get. So a lot of performer producers or performer publicists, mm. they just want to tell you their work's great and they just want to be told that right back and they're not going to accept anything else. And I, and I get it. Mm. Yeah. I, I think I think that comes from the fact that, um, I mean, you know, I think that comes from the fact that I have a stage name and a real name mm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, yes, that's the duality that's created the Yeah, yeah the so, it's, so it's really, and like I used to find it really hard to sell myself as... Joe Marsh, but as Jojo Bellini, so easy. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's like, I'm like, this is exactly what I can do. And it's, and I feel like I am my own agent, if that mm -hmm. makes mm -hmm. sense. And then, and then when I produce shows and I, you know, do PR for other shows, these are shows that I actually, I've got to have a little bit of passion for, because if it's just a paycheck, it's very obvious mm. to everybody involved it's like if i believe a show is going to be good or i even be just believe in the concept behind the show and what they're trying to achieve mm. i think that is that is something i can run with and i can and i can go with and i you know i think uh i have i have i have a saying it's not show fun it's show business mm. right and the reason and that's the reason why i think i'm actually able to like literally split that in two it's like you want to talk business let's do business we'll do business now let's all go drink and have the most amazing time because mm, mm. this is where the fun comes in the fun is now mm. right when the but job's done when the yeah. job's done let's paint the town every color of the rainbow yeah right but up until job time you better believe you're getting emails communication this is happening that is happening this is how many ticket sales can we do this can you do that can you help us out but 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 because it, if it's not done that way, the show isn't amazing. Because you always get given, doesn't matter if it's theatre, dance, whatever. On the day of performance, you're always going to be thrown a curveball. There's a curveball coming, yeah. right? Yeah. And if all your ducks are not in a row before that curveball comes, everything falls apart and nobody, nobody feels like the show's going to work. It's always going to work because there's always professionals in it. But mm. backstage, it's all a little disjointed and yeah just a little bit the cog's not working right i like to have everything smoothly oiled and everything yeah so when someone goes this this part of the machine's not working i can go 
oh yeah, just um, take the banana peel out of it, it's fine. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So we did, um, so who is Jojo Bellini? Jojo Bellini. Um, <laughs> so Jojo Bellini is this very unusually uh, amazing woman. Uh, like, uh, uh, she is me heightened to the to the utmost. Mm-hmm. Um So Jojo Bellini came about because uh, when I was 18, my best friend Amber, when we first met at university, both doing theatre and drama studies, um, she started calling me Jojo Bellini and I don't know why. So when I started doing burlesque, I was like, well, of course, that's got to be my name. Mm. Now, Jojo Bellini is, she's kick-ass, takes no names, sexy as fuck, um, loves to be body positive, sex positive, um, you know, and is uh, all about making sure that there is n- no leaf is un- is left unturned, rock leaf, I don't know where I'm going, uh, but she's, she's up for making sure everyone's having a good time all the time and making sure that, you know, that uh, and oh she calls out stuff when it's happening and well I call out stuff when it's happening as well she she uh, she's not afraid to go to places which uh, New Zealanders are not happy mm. to go to mm. like <laughs> I, like like she is she is kinky as all get out and she's into the BDSM world and she's <laughs> into uh, educating people that it's okay to talk about sex and it's okay to you know, it's okay to do more than the missionary position and it's okay to, you know, explore and, you know, and experiment as long as it's all consensual and there's communication going on with it and it's, and everything's fun and, you know, I don't think people laugh enough during sex. Like, it just, they just don't. It's very serious. Mm. It's like, oh, it's, it's, it's actually meant to be a fun activity that, that people do. It's not, it's not your job. It's not, mm. it's not like, okay, I've got to wash the dishes, da, 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 have sex, and then I've got to vacuum. No, that's not, it's not in that list. It's in the fun list. Mm. Mm. Um, it's in the, you're going to go out and have a good time tonight list. Um, and, you know, Jojo Bellini brings that. Every time I, I get on stage, I'm like, let's all have a good time. If there's a hundred of you, if there's two thousand of you, I will hopefully be able to eyeball every single one of you and let make you feel like you've mm. been with me partying for an hour or two hours, depending mm. on what I'm doing, if I'm emceeing or if I'm performing or if I'm on there for three and a half minutes, you know, uh, wearing PVC and, and making you question your sexuality, perfect. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> this is exactly what I want to achieve mm. um, as Jojo Bellini and making sure that I don't know I just I think it's it's making sure everyone feels that they've been they, that their 25 35 105 dollar ticket was completely worth yeah yeah what it was there for so I don't really know how to ask this without sounding like a total square so I'll just <laughs> I'll just do that because yes. it's kind of who I am anyway but um, what unlocked all of that for you? The, the the kink fetish stuff mm-hmm. and the and the you know obviously you create the character that gives you the license to mm-hmm. go to town with it big yes. time and to have some separation mm. um, from it but you know what was it the world of burlesque that opened that up to you or was no. it locked in you before that so or? I was I'm, I I 
so my whole life I think I've had my own kinks and fetishes and all my partners that I'd have would every time I'd say oh let's do this or mm. let's do that I get looked at like there was something wrong with me by my partner I'd go oh okay so you know that, that that's we, your level that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, your, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah that's fine okay let's not do that la 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 and uh, then I met my husband uh, who was like oh I'm very much into all this weird stuff and I went are you telling me that everything's on the table? Are you telling me that everything is on the table? And he's like, yeah, every, any weird, wonderful thing, let's just, and I'm like, and I was like a kid in the candy store. Uh, it was just like, let's, and I was just like, I'm going to try absolutely everything I can and da, da, da. so many things I'm not into, which is great, but you've got to try it, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, I just, you know, I tried absolutely almost everything and was like okay this is great don't like this don't like this do like this oh yay um so i was already like going to fetish clubs and you know mm. uh, kink nights and that kind of stuff well before i started performing i started performing one as i, as I said i was like no it's time to like carry yeah. not doing it for me anymore yeah. the reason i decided to so I, all my solo cabaret shows I've done, they've always been something that's very close to me and then um, something that I've been, you know, which has been close to me, which I also think is a story that people would be interested and entertained mm. by. So my first show, as I said before, was a kitchen cabaret where I cooked and mm. talked about my Welsh heritage. My second one was called Crash Bang Cabaret, which was all about my car accident. My third one... Uh, I started writing Bondage Queen Sings the Hits, except I got really distracted um, by the fact that I'm an absolute historical nerd as well as a sci-fi nerd, mm. and I was really into spies, and I was like, women spy, women spy stories are not being told. It's all about James Bond, mm. and there are these all these kick-ass women throughout history who have done so i started research i just started i started writing this kinky show and all of a sudden i just started researching all these kick-ass women and was like oh well i have to do this show about female spies through the ages so i ended up um researching over a hundred women and narrowing that down to about seven of them um and these were all women that um uh piqued my interest which meant that if they piqued my interest mm. then of course they were going to hopefully pique other people's interests mm. as well and la 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 it's amazing so once I'd gotten that out of my system, which I'm hoping to bring to Fringe next year, the um, the Spy Cabaret, because mm. it's really awesome, um, and Samina directed that one as well. Um, so once I got that one done, I was like, right, this has got legs. I'll find out what to do with this later. Back to what I really want to tell everybody about. Mm. <laughs> and so I started talking about... So I started writing and, you know, talking about my experiences and all that kind of stuff, and then realised that, it's um it is something that i'll even like there's a huge fetish community throughout europe and it's quite amazing but it's still quite underground it's still quite niche mm. here it's even more niche than niche upon niche mm. which is also fabulous and so what i realized from doing my show and now i've got a i've got a uh like a, a fetish like cabaret night that I'm hoping to continue to happen and make happen um, and that kind of stuff is that the moment you create something, everyone's like, oh, 
I, I would like more of that. I would like more of that. Mm. What I've, I've found is, you know, all re- my show's not until August. I don't know when this podcast's going up. This is not actually a sale for my show, by the way. Mm. I'm not even going to mention it. Uh, but I've sold 20 tickets and I've done nothing. I've done no advertising. Mm. I've literally just mm. put it up on Event Finder and gone, show happening. Which means you know now the power of the name as brand that people are searching that. What's that um, character doing next? Yeah, what's she about? What's she up to? Yeah. Exactly, and that and that's what I'm and I'm like, oh, people like my stuff. Yeah. this is great. Also, and it gives you the power to be a one-stop shop. Like, I'll I'll go to Jojo Bellini. Yeah, she, exactly. She might be doing this this time. It might be something else, but I've enjoyed it, exactly. or I'm open to it. Well, yeah. the thing is, is that um, like I mean, I did I did haiku deathmatch mm, I, was so, I was there i was so happy because i saw it and i was like okay one i love haikus yeah two it's called haiku deathmatch i have to be a part of yeah. this show yeah. it was just like this is the most ridiculous and fun thing in the entire universe and that's the thing about being a performer it's like cabaret burlesque yeah my love but like i'll do a haiku deathmatch because it's called a haiku deathmatch and because I, I love a, love a haiku um and i will do a and i i love comedy like so my burlesque and cabaret, it's not, I can't do serious. I just can't. I've tried. It doesn't work. It just ends up being ridiculous by the end of it, regardless of how serious I try and start. Um, and so doing emceeing and comedy spots is all, also one thing that it's like, I've been around comedy. I've done comedy for, so, not personally done comedy, but it's like I've been around comedy and done comedy slots and I've done this stuff throughout my entire career so you know i'm really excited that i'm also doing quite a lot of comedy around town at the moment as well which is great because it's like i i want to perform i Mm. want to entertain and i want to make sure that people know that you know not all performers are one thing it's like there's a as a drag queen um called the bombay bombshell who's a very good friend of mine and i love them and they are now doing comedy and drag and game shows in drag and other things in in drag to show that I'm not just a lip syncer. Mm. I can do. I've got other skills. It's like yes, you do, my love, and yes, yes, you need to be bringing those skills on top of just doing. Also, a phenomenal burlesque and you know drag mm. performer, mm. but there is more to this performer than just being gorgeous and and lip syncing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's something that. We all for, we all forget. It's like you, you can't if you put a performer in a box. I mean, some people are just an actor. Mm. Oh, I could never do comedy. I need to. I need a script. I need someone to tell me what to do. Great. That's that's your type of performance, and that's what you do, and that's wonderful. But you know, I think stretching our muscles a little bit further sometimes can actually be really wonderful. I love to learn. Like I love to learn new things, etc., etc. Um, I'm, you know, I'm seriously thinking about doing a couple of beginner circus classes, even though physically I can't do half the stuff that they're going to ask me to do. But it would be nice to give it a go, Mm, you know. Find your space within it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And because, again, everyone teaches differently and you never know. I may find something, even a warm-up technique Mm. that I don't use, Mm. a stretch, like, and go, actually... I've done a six-week course, and now I know how to stretch my calves properly. You know, that mm, kind mm, of thing. Mm. Really important to me. Mm, like, mm. So, yeah. Um, let's just rewind for a second. Mm. How good was Haiku Deathmatch? 
oh I my was, god I was so into it like I was because I usually go to Poetry in Motion and I hummed and hard about going to that and I started writing a bunch of haiku which I've done every now and then and I mostly write ones that just sort of take the piss out of haiku and then I got not nervous but I just sort of got there not not planning to be in it just to do the open mic um, but then I got asked if I'd do it and I was kind of like nah nah I think I'm good and I just and then I thought I might leave when it happens but god it was great to watch I enjoyed it it was excellent and everyone was great on a few different levels and I probably should have entered into it in the, in the sense that I just don't know why I didn't click to the title that of course there'd be other people taking the piss out of haiku or yeah. you know Doing it in their way. Yeah. Yeah. I've been... Uh, that but was it was it. awesome. Oh, it was so much fun. This is it. Like, who who would have thought mm. that uh, such a glorious way of expression and poetry could be put in a fighting arena? Oh. It was so great. I just... I loved every moment of yeah. it. I just... It was just like... Oh, and... And you, were, you made it to the final. I did. Yeah. I and did. some might say you were robbed. Some might say that, and there was a discrepancy around the ordering of <laughs> of the poems, which yes. was interesting. Yes. And well, I can't remember his name, but he was excellent, the guy who won. Oh, um, uh, Juana, yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, super great. Uh, also a great little uh, comedian right. in his own right yes, as well. Yes, I gathered yeah. that, I gathered that, and a unique sense of timing and great delivery. Mm. Um, but if he had switched the order of his poems he might not have come out on top, yes. which was fascinating. Yeah, yes. it was noticeable. It was palpable, actually. Yeah. Well, this is this is the but this is what I love about this is what I love about any competition stuff here. Uh, mm. um, do you guys have the saying um, "playing for sheep stations" or is it a uniquely Australian thing? Okay, I, I so would hope that's uniquely people Australian. People get so <laughs> people get so competitive here. Yes. When oh, yeah. late, right? And so I'm going into haiku deathmatch. Taking the piece yes. of it out of the fact that it's yes. actually a death match and like yeah. not actually getting angry, if no. I, like and just being silly and yeah. and involved. Like for me, it was just like it was all about being. It's the most ridiculous concept. Yeah. Let's not. Let's, let's not, not take it seriously. It's get, it's already not taking like, itself seriously. I fully went in mm. going just be a dick, have a good time, write some very silly haikus, and if you get knocked out in the first round. Just be yeah. there and support everybody because it's a yeah. ridiculous night. It's yeah. just ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, and then um, when I knocked out, I can't remember their name. Um, I was I, first of all, I knocked out um, the lady. Oh, what was her name? Oh, it's it's going to plague me now. I knocked out this lady and I said, "Oh, your haikus were amazing." Oh, and she goes, "Yeah, yeah, I've been published in a couple of." Um, and I just went, oh, and I went, oh my God, I am, so, oh, oh, I am so sorry my haiku about chlamydia knocked you out of the competition. Uh, it's just like, yeah. it was, yeah. oops. Yeah. Which, absolutely fine. But that's it, like, because, yeah, it's, because I, because I wanted, and again, I had to, I wanted to do flowery stuff, and I tried, and then I had mm. to. But you see, Quite a while ago in this conversation, you referenced the poetry scene and the you talked about how um, open it was to, to reinventing itself, to trying new things, to bringing Ooh. new things to the stage. And there, obviously, Haiku Deathmatch is a great example. And Ooh. I was thinking of saying at the time, but I didn't. But like a couple of years ago, as part of the Verb Festival, I got asked to do a thing called Lit Sync Your Life, which was... They paired three writers with three drag performers. 
Amazing. And we all got given uh, a song. To each couple got given a song to riff around, basically. Uh, uh. And so, as my job as the as the reader to come up with seven or eight minutes of material referencing the song in some way or inspired by it, uh. and then the drag performer got up and did their routine to the song, and we didn't really collaborate. We just sort of got told, and so we went off and did our things. And I thought, fuck, this is stupid. I'm into it, but fuck, this is stupid. And I think I thought that right up until I got up on stage. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed doing it, and it went well. But Jesus Christ, it was so well received. It was amazing. And there was just this absolute energy in the air and commitment from the audience to just embrace the absurdity. Because the guy who booked it, um, the curator of of that section of the festival, actually said to me... just before it happened, I actually don't know how this is going to go. I actually have no idea how I came to this, and it just seemed good on paper, and shit, I hope it works. And I think we all had that feeling. Yeah. But fuck, it was great. And they've they've since, you know, repeated it and and changed it a little bit and stuff. But I would have never, you know, and I would have never signed up for that either a few years prior. Like, if someone asked me to do that, I would have just gone... Nice idea, but not for me. Yeah. Oh, well, this so is it. So it was cool to be open to it. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the thing is that um, you know uh, the scene here, people are up for weird, mm. wacky stuff. Like um, Neil and I just did stand up and spin, yeah. which is yeah. stand up and pole dancing. Oh my god, the night was amazing. <laughs> it was just great comedy, pole dancing, da da da. And you know the dancers got to um, do funny routines as opposed to just you know their normal like you know and that kind of stuff. And it was, it's. Like, again, when Neil and I were talking about putting it on, we're like, we don't know if it's even going to, mm. if anyone's going to turn up, if it's going to work, if it's, mm. you know. And um, and so, you know, and there's lots of crazy and unusual and new things popping up all over the place, which I really, really like. Mm. Um, because, like, if you've got, like, and comedy will never die, it, you know, same with theatre, same with music, like, those things are, are standard. Mm. But when you work cabaret variety, you've got to, mm. you can't just be putting on uh, same the same kind of mm. things every time because for audiences, they go, yeah, well, I saw that. Yeah, well, I, you know, I've, I've seen a burlesque show. I don't need to see another one this year. Yeah. No, no, you do because yes. it's all new people and it's all new this and it's all new that. So, you know, many um, many burlesque shows are now themed because that way you're getting a whole new routine. You're getting a whole new, you know, look, which I find really, really exciting because, you know, um, and, you know, and then a variety show, I mean, like, so I, I arrive, there's this amazing show called The Menagerie, I meet this amazing woman named Rachel Rouge, who's one of the best producers that, you know, New Zealand has ever seen, and it's the last one. <laughs> I'm like, because I start, because I did PR for that mm, one, mm. Um, and I'm just like, what, where, where is this gone? Where, where is this now? Where, where is the menagerie? Oh. Oh, and Laser Kiwi have started doing stuff with Idiom, and, um, you know, the Faf Club was good during the Fringe, and I think they're trying to bring that kind of stuff back, and and that, but it's kind of like, yes, but these variety, these variety shows need to be weird, wacky, Mm. they need to include poetry, they need to include a comedian, they need to include what people would call the boring stuff, Mm, mm. Um, because that is really, really exciting. Mm. in a night to not just see the same thing again and again and again 
and again it's you know if you're if every single comedian on stage is making jokes about tissues right that night gets by the time you've seen the fourth comedian tell jokes about tissues it's the most boring mm. show you've ever been at and that's why I love a variety show because mm. you get all the different things and you know there's a cabalesque uh, I really like because they have singing and they have pole dancing and they have burlesque and they have you know uh, uh, belly dancers and they, so it, it's not just here's another lady mm. taking doing a slow reveal yes. here's another lady or gentleman or non-binary doing another slow reveal like it's just like I'm over I'm over the slow, mm. I'm over the, can you give me something that's not this oh great yeah, because I was going to say, look, I need I need a little bit of um, extra explanation around what goes on on a burlesque show because I don't know that I've I've been to lots of different things and I've definitely covered um, a variety of cabaret shows mm, mm. and some of them have not been for me and I found myself in this awkward position of going to a drag show three times in a row, three years in a row, when you were talking about it being the same, and I felt it was the same. So I was not opposed to going to the drag show, mm, mm. but what my frustration was, well, this is just the same thing. Now, it's not my natural thing to go to. I'm not, I don't see myself as the audience for it. Mm. So I'm on the back foot to begin with yeah. because I'm not the right person, but I've been asked to go. So I tried that tack the first time. The second time I sort of say this, I'm, I'm a little bit, ruder and say this is a, just a straight repeat of what I saw last year That's people liked it, mm -hmm. I did not mm -hmm. the third year I found myself in the foyer hearing one of the performers telling someone, oh, I hope that guy's not here, that um, said that it was just the same old shit, he better not fucking be here and I was about two people away Oh wow! and so I was like oh, what do I do with that Oh wow! <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. the fourth time I actually said which I should have said the second or third time I just said I can't go and write about that you need to get someone else which is what i did yeah 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 so um so but what you know in my limited understanding of what a burlesque show is what's happening these days that apart from the variety you just described mm, that can mm. happen and some of the things that would pull people in that haven't normally gone um i think i think what's happening is uh well no burlesque shows do exceptionally well mm. um and i think what's pulling the people in is it's actually an acceptable art form it's mm. become an acceptable art legitimized form. yeah it's not this weird underground mm, uh let's go let's go and look at some titties kind of you know mm. thing um and you know the artistry involved is very different as i said like you've got your classical and you've got your neo mm. um i i haven't done enough research uh, personally I just do what I do which apparently is Neo um, and so whereas you know now you've got people who are doing burlesque where it's full costume full um, you're showing a full st story arc mm. of something that's happened to you in your life or you know the the plight of uh, people in Somalia or you know this, mm. these are these are coming out like mm. as as performance pieces and I'm like I am I am living for this. this so it's is, a combination of an interpretive dance, a wordless theatre. It's like, yeah. I, and I am living for these pieces that mm. these people are doing. And, um, you know, really, like, really giving messages or, and then you've got the, the ones who just come out and they're like, and 
aren't I sexy? And I'm going to take my stocking off now. Ooh, isn't that cute? Mm. Like, right, which I also love that. Mm. But if you're just watching eight to 12 yeah. people yeah. doing the lovely, lovely fan work and the lovely, I'll take off a stocking, I'll take off a glove, I'll, right, it can become quite repetitive. Yeah, yeah. You feel like you're, the costumes are delicious, mm. the people are completely different, but it, it, but, and the songs are different, but you won't, you're not necessarily getting mm. different. Because mm. there's only so many ways you can take off a glove and there's only so many, like there's only... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, whereas you've got all these other people who are doing you know, quite outlandish stuff, which again aren't for everybody to mm. watch either. But when you mix those styles together in a burlesque night, literally you are watching people taking, slowly taking their clothes off for anywhere between three and five minutes. Mm -hmm. That's literally what you're watching mm. all night. However, when they're, it's programmed beautifully, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't matter that not one person has gotten up and sung, that there isn't a comedian on, yeah. that there isn't a circus act or a juggler or a hoop artist. Because you're seeing different things with each piece. seeing different so stories. Much different stories. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, I, and, it's, and it is one of those, and the thing I love about bur burlesque, very much it's very much like circus in a way mm. let me like mm. the circus people are going what <laughs> uh, bear with me uh where it's all about audience interaction mm. and it's all about the more noise that you give us the better it is the more we shock you you know if, if you can make someone go oh, like as a trapeze artist if you make someone go oh, that's yeah. the best thing and also as a burlesque artist if you do something that's outlandish and you can make everybody gasp oh my goodness that's amazing mm. you know if you make people laugh if you make people scream and cheer and you know by the end of it they're stamping their feet and they think it's the best thing they've ever seen that's why we do it but it's also it's wonderful when you've got audiences who are right there for all of that mm. and that are there, that are also there for all of that for the people who maybe aren't as good as the other people mm. as well and i find and i find that really exciting about the scene is there's lots of uh, new people, I won't say young because they're not all young, mm. lots of new people coming into the burlesque scene and the drag scene and all that kind of stuff. I can't speak to the drag scene because I'm not in it, but I can speak to the burlesque scene. Um, all these new people coming in, and it is a supportive environment where people, if they're open for getting tips and feedback, there's places you can go mm. and there's people you can ask for tips and feedback on your stuff and it's not given up oh you need to rhinestone that yeah. it's just not good enough no it's none of that it's like it's like okay so here's what would here's, help here's what would help yeah. and you know maybe if you thought about maybe in this section of the song you were kind of just standing there not doing much so maybe you could do this and you know think as i said to you the reason i got into burlesque is i wanted to do a dance class and i wanted to it to go around my mm. injuries and my and my disability and this is what's great about burlesque is um, it is also about doesn't matter what size you are. It does not matter what dis disability you've got. It doesn't matter mm. what ability you've got mm. as well. If you are up there to express yourself and have an amazing time, everyone is there for you for that moment. There's a couple of people who have chronic pain who do burlesque and that kind of stuff. So they don't do a lot on stage. But when... 
the audience are aware of that this person is expressing themselves in the best way they can and you know this these this is the reason why this is the artistry that they're mm. doing the audience are there for it because they're actually telling a story mm. Mm. in what they're doing and that's what i find i think that's what i find exciting as well is because a lot of performers who are don't know how to get into theater troops and and it's that and that camaraderie and that community is mm. is very difficult to get into mm. if you have a chronic illness or you have a disability or you're unable to do things the same way as everybody else you can't get into a dance class you can't do this you can't do that so where do you go and that's where cabaret and burlesque and all that kind of stuff really brings it into the brings everyone into the fold because you know if you are willing to give it a go if you're willing to take a chance on yourself and you're and it's great you're talking about like with regard to yourself at least mm. certainly and, and i guess with um some sufferers of chronic pain you're, you're also talking about like essentially an invisible disability yes you know it's not something people clock straight away and yes when you walk into a room no you don't present as someone that's suffering on any level apart from you know we're all suffering yeah. <laughs> we're all human but well, you know what i mean suffering like, as humans, yeah, yes yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um, Yes. So that has its challenges too, right? Mm, like, mm. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, like, hearing you talk about that, then I was thinking, like, it's always those subcultures that, you know, are forever on the fringes of mainstream that are always the most accepting yes. to people. Yes. So, you know, I have limited experience going to things like um, the, the Comic-Con styled stuff mm, mm. but that is where you see every kind of i mean obviously everyone there is a deep nerd on some level yes and that's why i think i've not gone lots because i don't for all of my fixations with various pop culture things i don't actually consider myself a deep nerd but um yeah so i don't know that i fit in but if i wanted to fit in i could like i just haven't the, had that experience yeah the great thing about all the cons uh because i've gone to a lot of conventions mm. um is it doesn't matter how yeah what high, your level is what your yeah, level yeah. is if you're just in if you are just into Star Trek yeah. the original series there's a crew for you yeah. if you're just into like it's it's quite yeah it's cool. like how deep do you want to go right yeah like, I was thinking about that yeah because you know I've got a nine year old son who is fixated now with horror films which which I love and um and he's also you know into comic getting into comic books and mm, stuff and mm. I, thought, I really must take him to the next thing like that yeah because you know through his eyes i would obviously enjoy it more Completely. and it'd be cool for him to just sort of see what was there for him yeah and i mean the thing i mean the thing about the conventions is you know pretty it's a it it's there are some talks and that kind of mm, stuff but mm. most of it is pretty much just checking out merchandise and new yeah, games yeah. that are coming out and getting to play on a vr for the first time in your yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. um you know life or you know that kind of stuff and um, an, sorry, an Oculus Rift is what yes. it's called. Oculus Rift, people. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, so, you know, there's all these amazing things that go on there. I The thing I love about these conventions is um, it gives people who are so creative uh, opportunity to cosplay as their favourite mm. characters and they get to express themselves for one to four days, depending on how many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, but, like, but that's it for um, the day. For the day, and there's a to, big build up to that. Day. Yeah, and yeah. they get to be, you know, mm. you know, 
Gecko Chan or yeah. you know whatever, and they have the best time and and that is. This is this is the thing that I I think that's what I love. Like so many people are so poo poo on mm. geeks and nerds and that kind of stuff. And I just sit there and go, some of, some of them are not the best people, but mm. some of them are the best people, and they're just a little bit socially awkward. They just yeah. So they, who are they hurting doing this? It's yeah. actually so liberating. That, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's like it's like it's the it's the only chance a lot of these people get to socialise mm. because of their social anxiety or other reasons, they don't go out a lot. So they do most of their chatting with their mates online. Mm. This is an opportunity for these people to actually catch up with each other and see each other and it's in a nice, safe environment where no one's going to um, be upset because they like Sailor Moon. Mm. It, it's mm. It's... You know, it's great. Yeah, yeah. And, it, I mean, I know there's some crossover here, but even things like, you know, so there's the pro wrestling stuff. Yes. There's um, even, like, heavy metal, you know. Like, that's what mm -hmm. I mean. Now, there, there's subcultures which, within them, there's enormous mainstream commercial success and there's uh, enormous, you know, marketing is driving it. But they're also still, t to, to a lot of nine-to-fivers, they're a fringe activity. Yes. And they just seem to be, you know, so much more accepting than than a lot of other mainstream activities where people can feel really uncomfortable being in the audience. And, oh, completely. Yeah. I co yeah. Completely. I hear you on that. It's in that, and I think, yeah, it's it's interesting, um, you know, uh, just to take that a step mm. further of what people feel is high art here. Yes, yes. Um, is, because uh, you were talking about audiences feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Um Sometimes the things on the opera house are not worth the ticket price. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, sometimes they are. Yeah. But just because it's on at the opera house mm -hmm. and it's done by an opera company or by a ballet mm. company or by a... Doesn't mean mm. it's... Just because you think it's high art, it's not... Yeah. It's, you know, I. this is what I... Um, I think this is the thing that I, I haven't I've, I've I haven't seen anything big here that I haven't enjoyed. Mm. That's that's not me poo pooing on the opera company or mm. it, or ballet companies or anything like mm. that. But uh, because I haven't I have seen opera and just gone oh my, and I've seen ballet go oh, yeah. So I'm very yeah. It's a mate. What is being created here is amazing. However, you know, people think that. Only the opera is the thing to go to. It's like, mm. oh, no, no, there's some cheesy musicals that you should also go and check out. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, um, have you seen a drag show lately? Because some of them are just ridiculous. And, mm. you know, it's those mm. kind of things. Um, because it's it's like just... I think you have a what will the neighbours think thing going on here a little bit still. Oh, um, so you can only be seen to be seeing those things because I live in I don't know what your posh suburbs are here because everything seems to be ridiculously expensive um, <laughs> but like you know well you know the, the Joneses next door mm, mm. Uh, only go to the opera and they only go to the ballet so we're going to do that and we will never go see anything else just in case they see us there mm. it's like for goodness sake go and yeah totally and then that brings about with it too um, this thing that we all have to be very aware of that's that gets called out a lot at the moment as festivals catering to basically white 
wealthy audiences, right? You know, the Auckland yes. book, uh, writers, readers copped it in the neck big time for that recently, and I'm sure the Wellington Jazz Festival, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm whitey, but the Wellington Jazz Festival was, from my seat, full of just, you know, uh-huh. white people, uh-huh. watching mostly white people. Uh-huh. So I don't, you know, I don't know, because quite what you do about that but there's some pretty obvious barriers of entry there around how much things cost and and maybe less so in Wellington than Auckland but transport and so forth you know like where they're located you know uh, like uh. so I know the Auckland Riders Festival is right in the middle of the town where you can't get a park unless you've got to spare 80 bucks for a parking yeah, yeah. building or or loads of money for your Uber or your taxi or whatever uh. you know or you have loads of money and live next door to it. You know, those are the, you know, so of course you're ruling out a huge, but if you took some of those writers and mm. put them in Manukau for the afternoon and put on, I mean, I don't know, maybe they do, but from my quick reading of the program, they don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a big problem too that's going on here, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I must admit, you know, I was, uh, oh, I was uh, looking at festival guides, looking at some festival guides mm. and just going, Oh, there's there's one person of color, like mm. one in mm. this whole program. Mm. Very interesting for for, for me, mm. um, especially curated festivals. If you're curated, I think there is a duty of care as a festival director and a curator of that festival. When it's an open access thing like a fringe or something like that, you kind of take what who's paying mm. that's how it mm. works so you can encourage the community um different communities to be a part of those festivals but it's very difficult to get um it, to go we want you in our festival because mm. you're actually it's a pay to play scenario as opposed to please yeah, yeah. be a part of yes. this festival um and again you know yeah i'm i i'm very wary of my white privilege as a, mm. you know, white middle-aged woman, you know, um, but but at the same time, I I sit there and I just go, I want I want more festivals like the Kiamo Festival. I mm. want more of that. But you know, I tell you what, you know, if we had Australia does not have an entire two to three week festival celebrating the indigenous people mm. it doesn't mm. oh theatre dance we have NADOC week but mm. everyone doesn't it's not a everybody everybody no and to, this is a, a separate multi-hour conversation but the uh, treatment of the indigenous people is so bad that any celebration is instantly and immediately politicised to the point that yes. the celebration becomes irrelevant yes that's it just it becomes a trigger point yes. actually for for grievances. Right? Yes, yeah, completely. And but the thing is, you know, the fact that there is um, so much, especially in the arts, there's so much um, push at the moment to have um, Maori and Pacifica inclusion mm, mm. in all parts of programming, in all parts of um, you know the creative process, and also the backstage process. So it's mm. not so it's not just a a whole uh, bunch of white people going and look at our festival isn't it wonderful there's Mm. actually people who are being represented in all facets of the behind the scenes in the Mm. you know in the admin side Mm. of things as well which i think is really really important because you know where does that voice start it starts in the office it ends up on stage going to an audience but the voice 
voices have to start in the office yeah. first yeah. to make sure that the conversations are currently had and constantly had. So this is a, another mm. three-hour mm. conversation. But um, And so, you know, for me, yeah, it's that kind of thing that I find very interesting because those voices, I've never... Being a absolutely ignorant Australian when I got here mm. in um, January last year, I've done so much research and so much... Um, you know, uh, history um, following up and um, learning uh, my terreo very slowly yes, yeah, and that but kind it's of there, stuff. But it's right? there. You've um, chucked some terreo words um, in and you've done it in a way that has been, um, you know, true to who you, you are and what you're yeah, trying to assimilate into. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm very, you know, so I'm so aware of my ignorance. So when I go and see events and and things where there are um, there are speeches and welcome greetings and I'm just like this is exactly what I one I need to learn this language because it's beautiful mm, mm. two um, this is my this is what I want to be able to do is be able to use um, uh, the language in my everyday speech because mm. it is the second language mm. of the country it's just as good it's just as important mm. as freaking English as far as I'm concerned mm. this is what should be this is just should be standard um so um it is so for so for me I I'm very much of the mind of you know we need more voices we just need the, these voices but they need to also come from for me come from management and yes I agree with you um pricing structures mm. they're outrageous mm. They're outrageous. I mean, I'm a starving artist, and I'm looking. I look at a twenty-five dollar ticket and go, "Okay, I can do two shows at twenty-five dollars this week. Yeah. I cannot do a fifty-dollar show. Mm. It's going to be really special. Yeah. I really want to go. Yeah, big time. I mean, it's exactly. It's um, <clears throat> I don't know, but at the same time, shows cost money to put on oh, yes. and, and we've talked about that but you know the, and people deserve to be paid yes so it is tricky isn't it as mm. well to lower those ticket prices you know but there is that, that level of taking the piss I think on some ticket prices that that needs to be called out a bit more yeah I agree with you um you know I mean it it's also about like something that I've noticed here is there's is working as a singular performer so like you know doing a small slot or whatever mm. Um, yeah, it's the the pay is not great, mm, mm. but uh, and uh, that's no, nothing against the promoters or anything like. It's just like the pay is not great, and mm. I'm, I promote my own shows, and I'm going. This pay, I'm doing the budget. This pay is not great. I can't even. This doesn't it, really work. Yeah, it, you know, unless I charged audiences forty dollars a ticket. This, um, this is how much. But people and well, maybe they would come. I don't know. Yeah. But, at the moment, at a $25 ticket, I can only pay people X amount of dollars. At a 40 I could, that's where I share the love. It's not about me going, I'm going to spend a $40 yeah, yeah. ticket and, oh, it's yeah, going to go in my up. pocket. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm, mm. No, because that's not how I work, because yeah. I'm an artist. I'm a starving yeah. artist. Everyone else I work with are starving artists who have two or three other jobs just so they can fund what they do. Yeah, a bit of creativity on the side. You know. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, and so I sit there and I go, and I'm going, so this is how much I can offer you. And if we sell out, I can offer you more. That's how it's going to work. Mm. Like, but I've done my budget based on this amount of tickets being sold. 
you see, go and see an opera for $120 and there's a $1,300 seat. But then I know how much it costs just to hire out the opera house. I know. Just to walk through the door and I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what now? Yeah. Are you, oh, yeah. wow. You get, wow. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go sell a kidney. And the one, and the one organisation owns all of those venues now and so you can't, you know, go anywhere else. No. Is you're just faced with a stiff fee somewhere else. Yeah, that's a controlling monopoly now. And it's very unfortunate. Yeah, it is. But it is what it is. Um, so we've had a big talk. We uh, have. It's been great. Is there anything... You don't want to plug your show. I always want to plug while my of, shows. But I always it, want to plug my shows. But what? I was just like... I was yeah, like, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, things I would love to plug. There's two things I would love to plug. Um, mm. I am uh, the host of an amazing game show called Imaginary Porno Charades. Uh, and what it is, is it's a ridiculous night where we have two teams who battle it out. Again, we're all about these fun battles and, and things. So I'm the host of that one. And what it is, is what we do is we take... Um, you're all good uh, books, movies, TV shows and uh, uh, songs. And we turn them a little bit naughty and a little bit pornographic. So, for example, um, what happens is uh, a, a one of the team members will pick up a card and it will say, um, the, the original thing would be, say, Driving Miss Daisy. And the imaginary porno charade name for that would be Muff Diving Miss Daisy, right? So they've got to actually charade out Muff Diving Miss Daisy for the other for the team to guess and it's just it's hilarious mm. it's ridiculous <laughs> it's fun um audience members love getting involved and we love them getting involved it's really ridiculous that's coming up in july um on the 23rd of july i do believe from memory um and the other one it's i'm very excited about which is happening in august is called jojo bellini's dungeon of delights and um that's got eight amazing performers in it who are doing a fetish each. So we've got audio play, we've got pony play, we've got blood play, we've got wax play, we've got food play, we've got breath play, uh, we've got shibari, we've got... It's it, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, again, <laughs> a ridiculously fun, sexy night, but a fun night because it's can't... It's, it's like... Everyone gets very serious here about their fetishes as well, and it's like, no, no, no. These, are, these are. It's fun. We're yeah, the word players in yeah. the title of most of them. Exactly. That's the clue, right? Yeah, and so yeah, people got to stop getting so mm. serious about their stuff um, and laughing more. Uh, but so they, those are the two things: imaginary porno charades, which is happening in July, and in August um, is Jojo Bellini's Dungeon of Delights. And you are going to be here much past August. Your your New Zealand's up for you at the moment. It, it well no, I what? am. I have just signed a lease for two years, yeah. so yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Um, so also book me. Uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've got. I mean, I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing a tour down. I'm doing. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about it, but you're not. Good. It doesn't matter. A little Andromeda. I'm doing Bondage Queen sings the hits that I won um, my award for. Uh, in Little Andromeda in September, I'm also going back to Dunedin where I won the award for the Dunedin Fringe to do a encore season of it down there. I'm uh, doing all sorts of stuff. I'm, I'm I, I like it's I'm old school to the point where I don't travel unless I can work, and so mm. I'm what's been lovely is I'm actually getting to see places, work places and you're working, working your way around the country. Yeah, and I like yeah, that. Nice. It's really good. Nice. Yeah, well, hey, this was a great chat. It was nice to, I mean, we've talked before, but we haven't yeah. talked quite like this, and, mm -hmm. and hopefully we'll do it again. Sounds good. Show a little more.
Give it to the band. <laughs> 